welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to a new edition of Sports Carnage. We have a whole lot to talk about. Michigan not looking quite up to snuff. Michigan State producing offense against a bad team. And the Lions, well, <laughs> they they snatched a tie from the jaws of victory, or so they say. So moving forward, our first segment is going to be talking about our college football teams the michigan wolverines the michigan state spartans and one thing that we want to do is we want to stay away from all the overreaction stuff because that's played out wherever you hear it espn 97.1 fs1 they're all talking about overreactions we're off that because those don't matter but there are a few things that do matter that you saw in either the first two weeks or just the week two slate of games and those are what we want to discuss things that you can take away from the games that are actually going to make sense moving forward and it's really just shit that matters moving forward so paul we'll start with your team because obviously they were much less convincing and it's a much more controversial game if you will than what michigan state played so what did you see from michigan that actually will matter moving forward we can do this discussion style roundtable style doesn't matter we don't have to be structured about this we just discuss i mean i'll start since you threw it to me but i this is kind of open forum and if you even want to spin on a different team, because I know Dylan probably wants to talk about Buffalo for whatever reason, yeah, uh, since Matt they didn't Myers. cover last week. Um, hmm. <laughs> but uh, hmm. Michigan is interesting for a myriad of reasons. And if you want to talk hot take artistry, and the biggest overreactions, it's got to be Michigan. But for good reason. I mean, everyone watched the games. Uh, you almost lost to Army. Is a 23-point favorite. I feel, but I feel dirty. There's I, two. I, I know you feel dirty because you I turned did. on Army. I but did. everyone did because Army looks so meh against Rice. But the first thing that you have to do is step back. And I've seen literally just straight up two reactions after the game. I've seen, wow, Michigan is trash. Their offense sucks. Gaddis is a fraud. And I've seen Oklahoma went to overtime and then made the CFP. I have not seen much in between. Everything and, that's always in jest, though. Like everybody. But, well, does. not always. Not always, but yes, a lot of times it is. And when I said it after the game, I was trolling. Right. But I haven't seen a lot of step back. Look at the game, see what happened, see what it means going forward, which is what we do, all of us. I mean, obviously, everyone has their emotional takes in the aftermath, but all of us are capable of stepping back looking at what happened, seeing why it happened, and how we can project it to the rest of the season. Because it's so early in the season. That's right. What matters from the game is, first of all, can Michigan fix its short yardage situation? Your answer you are to not that being? Going, <laughs> don't go shotgun. Right. Don't go, well, it's not that you can't go shotgun. But you cannot exclusively you be in shotgun like when that. you're trying to get a yard or two oh, and just Will jam it Lutz. up the gut. Oh. Like, it's just oh. dumb. It doesn't I make see. sense. It's nonsensical. And the, the, the most annoying thing that I've heard in the aftermath of the game is everybody being like, wow, uh, Jim Harbaugh must not be letting 
Gaddis have free reign in. Uh, exactly. Jim, Jim Harbaugh. That's so stupid. It's it's everywhere. The radio today. People on ESPN. I, other I coaches. So many times it's today. unbelievable. This offense looks nothing like. The sad thing is, if Harbaugh was running this offense, they would have looked ten ben times Mason better on offense the first two games. Now I'm not saying that that's better overall. I don't know what this offense is going to become, but you wouldn't have any of these issues if we had the continuity and Harbaugh is running his offense. Continuity. I, I think you would still have some of the offensive line issues, but you wouldn't have had all of those short yardage. I'm actually really you glad you brought up the offensive line because my gut reaction was the offensive line did not have a great game against Army. Then I watched the game again and specifically keyed in and on the places that game. I think that's not true. Still, I keyed in on the places where I thought Michigan struggled, and one of them was the offensive line. With the exception of one player, and this is why – I'm really excited going forward, at least with the offensive line. With the exception of one player, the offensive line actually played very well. Michael Onwenu had his best game as a Wolverine, and he's a multi-year starter. He bullied, and he should, but he bullied Army in the trenches all night. Ben Bredesen, really, really good. Oh, Cesar Ruiz was all solid. Right, all right, all right. Hey, where I, Michigan You've struggled. talked about this line so much already. Well, so I, it's the answer is question. I want to answer the question though, because you've been you're you're going over everything, even stuff you don't believe in. I don't care about that. Well, it's, all I it, care it about is no, but all I answer the question. All I Hold care on, about so is, this is what you think forward. is going forward. The one the one player on the offensive line for Michigan that was absolutely terrible was Ryan Hayes. Had a very bad game. So why does that matter? Ryan Hayes is a freshman who is not starting after this last week. John Runyon comes back from injury. We don't have to worry about it. Who else was really bad in blocking? The Titans had a really bad day blocking. Army was stunting a lot. You had really quick guys that were coming hard off the edge, and our Titans didn't handle it well. Those are things that you would expect to be cleaned up. So now on to you, Dylan. Uh, I mean, for Michigan's portion of it, it's the same thing that I've been saying, which is your coaching staff will rob you of wins that you should probably get. Because your one thing that I know for certain is that this is the best skill position grouping you've had. Oh man, probably Ever? since two thousand six, I'd say. Whenever Manningham was, you know, going ha- going ham. Sorry, don't mean the pun there. But going man and man and ham, but no, I mean like the the position play the skill players specifically on the outside. If you guys would have just you know, use your speed on the outside, that wasn't a game. Like, it wasn't. Like, as much as the score looks really bad, it's a detriment to your coaching staff, which is, I would say, more alarming. All I know for certain is if you use your speed in space, you are absolutely as capable as Don has said. I just don't believe that. But if you do, then, yeah. I have obviously read a lot in the aftermath of the game. I reached out to a couple people to ask... Source. He had not, dinner not, with Cal. Not necessarily sources. I just. Are we going to go undefeated? Question mark. I I sent a few texts out, and I'm trying to get an idea of what the hell is going on with Shea Patterson. Now you are never going to hear me be overly critical of any college football player. These are not professionals getting paid to play a game, and Lord knows I'm not never going do it to eviscerate them. But I, right. I will Hold evaluate on. their performance, but I'm not going to be like, wow, this kid's trash, and he should never suit up and play football again. These guys are playing a sport for fun at the end of the day in a scholarship. Probably, probably heard that said before. 
Check the tape. <laughs> only if they deserve it. Like? All right. <laughs> only if they deserve it. <laughs> Shea Patterson was scared. Shea Patterson he was scared completely of the armed forces. <laughs> abandoned reading the field. And he also abandoned pulling the ball. If Shea Patterson just decides, you know what? I'm going to keep this on the read. That game is unrecognizable compared to how it went. He got our backfield murdered on multiple occasions, like just straight up stoned. See, I talk about things moving forward. I don't trust him. The biggest problem with that game, Army's ends crashed the back every single play, and Shea Patterson never talked it. He just watched it happen. He was terrified to grab the ball and run. He had happy feet in the pocket. He was abysmal. There you go. And I think that's what happened to the offensive play calling. My personal opinion from people that I've talked to and from what I watched, I think the coaching staff saw that they had a quarterback that didn't trust what was going on in the field, and they felt that they couldn't trust him. And I think that's why the play calling – I mean, what was it? 12 straight runs they had. 12 straight runs. Well, in the interest of answering Ryan's question, because Jesus Christ, we haven't, that was it for me. Um, Outside of that, I don't, this is a problem. You're probably not going to be able to control on the line the same as like 2016 team did by and large outside of obviously Iowa and Ohio State. Your way of winning is that your skill position players are, I would argue, possibly the best overall in the entire conference but I have no faith that your quarterback or your coaching staff are going to be able to use them right. And I think there are going to be at least, there's going to be at least one game. You will literally lose a game that you, I know Paul will come on here and legitimately say they should have won. And I will not be able to argue against it because if there's one thing Jim has done, it's he's not put him, his team in positions to win when they should have. In so you think, you think the offense that we've seen so far is closer to what they're actually going to be than what the future holds? No, but I also have no faith that it'll be used correctly. Well, because I, I think Shea, but... I think that Shea is incapable of doing what it takes for this team to win the way it should. Under McCaffrey, I have no questions. But with Shea, he's confidence in everything. It's like Lewerke last year. Obviously not as bad because Shea's not hurt, at least that we know of. But his decision-making, his confidence is just... Not there. And be, having that sort of pressure, whether founded or not, obviously, but having that pressure, if they drop a game, like if they, like we talked about, if Wisconsin, if they lose, I don't think that Shea's going to end the season as the starter. So if the coaching staff saw that Shea was scared, as Paul put it, and they don't put in McCaffrey, who they that's, think might be the best position to win, who, who's, who lost? Who would that loss be on? It's on the coaches. Would it be on McCaff- or not McCaffrey. Would it be on Shea or would it be on so the coach? I think it's it'd the, the coach's responsibility to do the right thing for their team, regardless of the quarterback. If that is the case, you're 100% right. There are rumblings that neither quarterback is 100% right now. And I thought it was, wrong with McCaffrey? I thought it was interesting. There are rumblings that he's banged up. From what? I don't, I don't know if it's true. Wasn't he on the field like eight snaps last week? I'm telling you what I heard. He played one play last week, and it was a passing play. Horrible overthrow. It was a passing play, and that was it. He came off the field. 
in a game like that, where you really needed to get the zone read going, it does strike me as curious that he came on for one play and it was a pass. That, to me, I mean, this is all speculation. I, I don't have the answer. But that, to me, would lend credence to the fact that maybe he is banged up, maybe from practice, maybe from a hit he took the week before. I don't know. But if he's not banged up and they didn't go to him, and, and who knows, maybe they're, maybe they're worried. So maybe they think Shea's our guy, and if we go to McCaffrey, his confidence is really going to be done, and then we can't use him anymore, whatever. But at the end of the day, you can't lose this game, and you can't let your quarterback be a detriment to your team. So to your point, Dylan, that – Shea can't do what he needs to do for this team. If that is a problem going forward, they're screwed. Their ceiling is ten games. Their ceiling is ten wins, mm. and that and that's not that's not good enough. Yeah, I didn't like a lot of the coaching decisions either. But it's kind of it's something different from what Dylan was doing. Is sometimes Harbaugh has these calls, and I'm sure I'm sure he's the one calling it. To, you know, to like go for it on fourth down when there's, what, nine minutes left in the game? Somewhere around there. But you're in the fourth quarter. You have a chance to take a lead on Army, and you trust both of your kickers. And Army hasn't been able to score the ball except for when you've given it to them in great field position on a turnover. And to, like, not take the lead in that situation, obviously it didn't end up hurting them. But say Army has a more experienced kicker who's kicked more than one kick in his entire collegiate career, right, they might end that game in regulation. So I – in the moment, agreed with that 100%. I'm like, why are we not kicking? Like, this is a tight game. Let's take the lead. Like, you, you have the chance to take a lead. You don't pass up the chance to take a lead, right? But ironically, projecting no, going forward, I'm actually excited that they made the decision. And because of the reason, oh, I didn't get it. Oh, I didn't get it in the time. But the coaches explained it immediately after the game. They said the analytics in based on expected points added is what I'm assuming they're going on. They just said analytics, but EPA is, is really uh, the only big. thing Good. that you were going to use in that situation said to go for it, that it was cut and dry. You go for it in that situation. Mm. And for those of you unfamiliar with EPA, it's very simple. Every single play has an EPA assigned to it. If you do this versus if you do that, how many points does it expect to add to your score at the end of the game over the course of a season, whatever. The analytics said to go for it. And if this coaching staff is truly adopting that mentality that they're not going to go by traditional conservative football rules and that they're going to that they are the going to play league. the numbers and the numbers say that going for it will get you more points, I think that's a good thing going forward. And it didn't work out, but it helped expose the fact that we cannot do whatever the hell it was we were doing in short yardage situations. No, see, I'm, I'm all for going for it, but in that specific situation, when it's the fourth quarter and there's less than 10 minutes to go in the game, and your team, well, one, they haven't played very well on offense, but two, your defense has been able to stop the other team's offense from going on a long drive. If you kick it, right, they get a touchback. They start off at, what, the 20 or the 25 or something like that. Now you're forcing a team – to go 75, 80 yards, which they almost did on one of the other drives. It just ended in a, in a pick, which was pretty fortunate as well after I think they had a false start at, like, the one-yard line. Um, so, of, of course, that was big. But in that situation, the offense really hadn't done anything. And again, so for, for me, you still take the points regardless. Of, so I can see, you know, like in the second quarter, if you're like, hey, this might get us more points at the end of the game. If it's almost the end of the game, that's not a decision, at least obviously, that well, I would have made. So it's and it factors for that. So if you're 30 seconds left kicking to go ahead, 
the analytics would tell you to kick the field goal. They wouldn't tell you to go for it. It does factor for all that. And that's why in the moment, if I was coaching, I would have kicked it too. But I don't. I didn't have access to those numbers. If I got a guy in the box that's pulling up the formula and he says, this helps our percentages this much versus kicking the field goal, and the numbers are clear, I'm, I'm going to go for it too because that is the correct move to do. But again, I don't Sir, know. Sir, that's why are. you're in the box and I'm Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> So to answer the question, because that's the whole point of this freaking thing, is what am I sure of moving forward? I am sure. What matters going forward. What matters, right. So what matters for me moving forward for Michigan State is so simple and yet so relieving. And that is that Brian Lewerke is not going to cost us a football game this year. This dude's decision-making and confidence is the exact – I just talked about Shea Patterson, right, and also referencing – just how bad of a year Lewerke's year was last year. This year, through two games, he is so much more precise, so much more confident confident with the offense. I am so impressed already with the changes he has made, not only in his actual decision-making, throwing the ball out so much faster in his release time, but in the way he is controlling the offense as a leader in the same way as Captain Kirk did and as Connor Cook did, this is exactly the sort of thing that we needed. And that is what I am sure of moving forward is that Michigan State is not going to be – the problem will not come from Brian Lewerke. The only issue will come if this coaching staff does not trust him. That is the dynamic moving forward, especially this week, that we are going to see whether or not – Brian Lewerke has gained the trust of this coaching staff enough with the offense. See, I don't, I didn't worry about Brian Lewerke's confidence coming into this year. I expected him to be worlds better than he was last year, and I expected him to regain his mojo. What I have trouble projecting going forward is we don't know what he's going to act like in a game against, say, an Iowa, who has a really good defensive line in roughs him up early in the game because your offensive line can't protect him. Is he going to keep that mentality or will the hits piling on? Will he have that PTSD? Will he start to fold? That's what I, and I'm not saying one way or another, but I think it's hard to project going forward because we don't know yet. We haven't seen that happen yet because let's face it, your offensive line was, is going to be fine against the Tulsa's and Western Michigan's of the world. I mean, they did underperform a little bit against Tulsa, but it's not like Lewerke took a beating. But against Ohio State, do you guys play Iowa this year? No. All right, so you avoid Iowa. But against a team like Ohio, Iowa, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, I Ohio State, I can't talk. And Wisconsin, we play on the road there. And Wisconsin, very good defensive lines. I feel like your offensive line is probably not going to have a great day against them. And that's all the more reason why his release time being so quick now is so important. Well, it is important, but... It's great that he's going to be throwing incompletions instead of taking sacks, but he's still going to be getting hit. And then what happens to his mentality then? Which I actually – I'm a big believer in him. I, I think he will be okay, but I need to see that before I project going you're forward. Going to, I'm excited. You're going to see it this weekend because, to be fair, Arizona State, defensively at least, they only gave up 13 points to State last year, which, okay, for, you know, offense was awful, right? But that was still – Early in the year. This is high for Michigan State. Look, I'm just saying, but this year, they have only given up 14 points. So Competition, you cited that. I And while that is perfectly fine, 
still that Arizona like everybody for whatever reason is still acting like Arizona State or some sort of joke. Like we will know after this weekend, at least on Brian Lewerke's side of things, if he is able to overcome what you're saying. And I think that the quick routes, I mean, if- throwing the way that they do, and possibly the rising of Elijah Collins is really going to help out with that. I mean, so Arizona State, first off, you could kind of say the same thing about Army and Rice, is they didn't have a convincing one last week. They're 19-7 over Sacramento State. As far as Michigan State moving forward, me and Dylan are once again on the same track. We're just on a different horse talking about uh, really just trust that the coaches had. As far as me and talking about trust in coaches, what I thought was really big and will be really big moving forward is D'Antonio's trust in Brad Salem because there are a lot of plays last week that we didn't really see at all last year uh, and you wouldn't really expect to see from a D'Antonio-led offense. So that's something to me that is is encouraging moving forward. We'll see how he sticks with it. Uh, you know, like Paul said, and it's kind of a parallel to Lewerke, how's he going to handle when, you know, the times get tough? Same thing as how is D'Antonio going to handle it when the times get tough? But if you can stick with Elijah Collins as your running back, um, and another thing that kind of matters moving forward is, and it ties into it, is you can kind of hear that D'Antonio is hearing – the chirping, right? He obviously played Elijah Collins more this week. After last week, no running back was impressive, but the prevailing thought was, hey, this is the one that you should play more. You should play Connor Hayward less, and you should play them more, and you, know, you should open up the playbook more and get your offense more rolling, You know, go in more sets that are going to get you guys just kind of where, where you're strong. You should be able to go ahead and push the defensive line around, which they did all of that. And again, Western Michigan, of course, isn't the greatest opponent in the world. They're, you know, probably in a, they're probably a top tier Mac team, but again, a top tier Mac team only fares so well when you have Wisconsin on the schedule, when you have Michigan on the schedule, when you have Ohio state on the schedule. But to me, it was kind of a sign that D'Antonio hears what people are saying. And now, Maybe not that he didn't hear it before, but now he's starting to see where they're coming from. He's not going to totally cave to fan pressure, of course, because that's just not the kind of guy he is. But it's something where he can hear, okay, well, if they say this, let me see why they're saying this, and let me try and adjust to you know my team to see if it's going to work. And obviously last week it worked to pretty much absolute perfection. I still didn't like the fact that they gave up 17 points. You know, it's just kind of nitpicky. Um, but other than that, you know, D'Antonio listening to the coaching staff, or I'm sorry, listening to kind of the outside noise a little bit and maybe expanding his mind and, you know, just opening up his, uh, his horizons and then trusting his coaches that he put in place to do their job. You know, if the guys are doing their job effectively to keep letting them do that job and not interfere so much, let them run that side of the ball. You know, while you go back and make you know the decision to either go for it or you handle the defense, which is where I think this team will be best. You know, it's the best version of this team moving forward. I think if Salem's able to, you know, and they're not going to score 51 points every game, but if they're able to move the offense and get those guys in space and you know get Elijah Collins in position where he can make an explosive play, and D'Antonio still handling the defense, which will always just be, you know, all world. 
um, and he, you know, he gets the defense up for big games. That's my best version of Michigan State, and that's something that I think at least this week, uh, D'Antonio heard loud and clear. See, I am uh, so much, so much of what Ryan said is my biggest takeaway from this. My literal biggest thing that I think matters for MSU going forward is not just how the offensive performed, but why they performed that way. The fact that Brad Salem called a very different game than you would expect MSU to run out under Mark D'Antonio, and the fact that it was so effective. 500 yards. It was so effective. Those, Those two things have to go hand in hand. So you can call a vastly different game, but if it looks like Josh Gaddis's offense looked last Saturday, how fast is Mark D'Antonio going to pull the reins and be like, I'm good, dude. But it, right. it worked. It worked extremely well. And that gives you some a little bit of slack on the rope, right? So when the going gets tough, he can say, you know, we're still working this out, but this has worked. And no, Western isn't world beaters, but it works so well. You can say that will work once we get things ironed out. That will work against good teams it will certainly work better than what we've been doing in past years so even when the going gets tough when 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 they're playing michigan and they're in a tough 14 14 game and d'antonio's butthole's getting real tight salem can look over and be like listen man you scored seven last year remember let let me do my thing like we are in a better place now and we have more potential to get where we need to go Elijah Collins is another part going forward. You've identified your back. And that's something Michigan State hasn't had in a little bit. Last year was an abomination with LJ Scott and all the rotation disaster that you had. And then this year, you didn't have Collins off the rip. You were trying to work multiple backs and it wasn't working. Now, you know who your lead back is. You have your lead dog. So you you got the guy that's going to carry the rock most of the time you have an offense that is starting to form an identity you have a quarterback that is gaining confidence and composure and getting in is healthy to complement the defense that you have going forward that is huge that gives you a chance in legitimately every single game you play this year the tests are going to come against the ohio states of the world the wisconsin's of the world the michigan's of the world especially teams that can put points on you teams that are and that's where Wisconsin will be. That's where I have big. Deaths. That's where Wisconsin will be an interesting test because the way to beat Michigan State this year is going to be able to be pass the ball. You got to pass the ball to beat Michigan State this year because if there's one way that you can attack Michigan State defense, it's going to be through the air. Your offensive line's got to hold up in protection. You got to beat them through the air. Can a team like Wisconsin do that? I don't know, but a team like Ohio a, State can. Question: I have I have a very serious question here. Yes. Do you think that there is a team that will get over 125 yards rushing against Michigan State this year? 125 is a benchmark. So the reason that's so hard to say is game flow has so much to do with it. Yeah, I think think Ohio State can do it. That's so hard to answer because game flow just has so much to do with it. Not to mention, uh, you could break one big home run and then of course break an 80 yard run. But you get why I'm you get why I'm asking the question though. I, like, I get it. I, I think I don't, I don't think so. is going to be absolutely excellent in close games. But again, do you? But do you're you? Even, you really? Think, but it, good but it just takes lines. one. You're going to run into some really good offensive lines, and if you run into it, what what I think the the way that your defense will get in trouble. Listen, your defense is great, but they're not perfect. The way your defense gets in trouble is if you face a two dimensional team that 
build success through the air early because then you're going to have to adapt and you're not going to be able to key in on the run as much. That's where you might see a team like Ohio State or even a Michigan have success on the ground. Wisconsin, we don't know because as good as they've looked, we still don't know what their air attack's like. Outside of, weeks. outside of those three teams, no one else is going to touch you on the ground in your schedule. No one else can. I mean, look at, so Northwestern, you expect to be a tough game. They're not going to get it through pounding you up the ground. You're going to obliterate their ground game. They're going to average two yards of carry against you. Mm-hmm. Who on the schedule can give you those fits on the ground game? It's those three teams. That's but that's it. the thing. I don't think that's even going to be possible. I just don't. I, I, I wouldn't be adverse to traveling to that game at Northwestern. That'd be fun. Uh, oh, it'd be fun if you win. Well, which yeah. Dylan seems just petrified of. I don't that play. is that is PTSD. No, it's because it's the same thing as Penn State fans when they play against Iowa. Like it's just a thing that is always going to be a thing. Yeah, it's called PTSD. No, it's called it's called the fact that this team, I, like. It doesn't matter. Northwestern could go four and eight, and one of their victories could be against State because sometimes some teams just have your number. It's just a thing. You guys don't play so, Nebraska this year, do you? I, even if we did, I would. I have well, no, no it wouldn't matter. They're, they're I, I legitimately would not care if we played in Lincoln this year. We would kick their ass. They are such a joke. And I'm glad that it was exposed. That's another thing I know moving forward is Scott Frost is not the savior that everyone <laughs> said he was. He is hey. not. Hold on. Top 25 after going 4-8. and eight. Okay, it's so, so crazy. we can all agree, and we talked about it in our college football preview, how ridiculous it was. But Except for Don. <laughs> to say, to well, oh. Don, Don just wild I, in on both sides of the I conference. I blocked that from my memory. I'm going to be honest. Bold <laughs> prediction, Don drives. I completely you. forgot Michigan about undefeated, that. Nebraska to win. But yes. hey, Michigan is, is undefeated right now. So I, but you even said it yourself. Like, we'll know in two weeks if, if Dom was hella wrong or not. Oh, 100%. Abs- absolutely. Well, they might have lost in two weeks. So, <laughs> exactly. The fact that you're saying they might proves how absurd his statement is, though. Because Wisconsin I mean... is arguably not even your hardest game. Again, remember, by the way, I do want to point something out as well, just about things that we're sure of moving forward. Um, I would like everyone to apologize to me about my Iowa take because Iowa looks hella good right now. No one said Iowa was going to be bad. No, you guys, you you legitimately acted surprised that I said no. that the game against Iowa was going to be hard. You said Iowa was the most complete team in the freaking conference. I still I, think that's I was a little game. surprised you said they would win the conference. You said they were going to literally win the whole Big Ten and that they were the most complete team in the entire conference. I am very much still of that opinion. Nate Stanley looks awesome. I am very much still going to say hell no to that. And I'm not shitting on Wisconsin. Or, I'm sorry, Iowa. They're a very good team. You know, so, well, I'm speaking not excited of my to play take, them. But... but speaking of my take, this week we will find out. Because that game in Ames is going to be lit as shit. I mean, it's not as lit oh. as it should have been. What are you What are you talking about? They're both undefeated. But Iowa State has struggled. <laughs> it's undefeated after two weeks. No, but no. Okay, I'm no. Like, it's it's going to be a there. tough test. It's going to be say, so tough. That's like that's not. I wouldn't an easy say game. this is the game. I wouldn't say this is the game we find out what Iowa. Oh, is, I disagree because they play tougher teams than Iowa. I think State. Iowa that's not going to be a good early but season. But that's not the point. But that, again, sure. that's not the point. It's the intangible. It is because you can beat Iowa game. State and be not as but good. But that's as some an other environment teams that team that better team like all time teams 
Texas, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma have struggled mightily in Ames. Well, they I have mean, beaten you, you all of those struggle teams. struggle against a decent team on the road in conference. And it's those game day. It's also, it's also... Well, it wasn't in And conference. Matt Campbell is a hell of a coach. Like, we will find out whether what Iowa that, is... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Ryan, what did you say? Me? I thought you said, you know, it should be a tough game in conference. No, I was saying, no. It's not Dylan was talking about those teams that struggle in Ames. Gotcha. And those were conference teams. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. but okay, but this is just as much familiarity because it's oh, of an course, annual this rivalry. is your in-state rival. This is Michigan, right. Michigan State. Same thing. And also, right. I'm not saying it's not a tough game, but tickets for that game, by the way, are going for over two hundred dollars. I, I guess so. What, what Ryan's saying, I think, and what I agree with, is if Iowa wins this game by two touchdowns, that doesn't mean they're winning the West. Ah, the see, I, I disagree, but that's because I look at Iowa State a lot more positively i guess well, that it, you guys it's not do. even that it's and just it's overcoming they could even be a good team yeah, overcoming, it's overcoming, really overcoming good that environment i think that's going to be outside of the wisconsin game iowa's hardest road game doesn't iowa go to michigan yeah but i again don't find your stadium to be nearly as imposing as ames is going to be for them no they, if they I lose it won't be it won't be wisconsin. because it won't be the reason. Like it, it will be super lit. Like and before you, before thing. next week when game day is there, and you're like, "Hey, I told y'all it would be super lit," and all y'all shit on me. I wanted to say it on the podcast that it's right gonna now. be it's super gonna be lit. Super lit yeah. next week. So I, he, you know the Dylan bullshit. does this a lot. <laughs> oh come on! I'm just. By the way, you want to know some shit? Yeah, like three times today. This, <laughs> this is so fucked up. The Iowa Iowa State game is at four o'clock. F- me. God What's damn it, dude! Oh, yeah, oh, that sucks. Just sucks so much. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Well, do I have my DVR? Well, yeah, close your eyes when they flash the scores at the stadium. Like I, oh like, yeah, hundred percent. When they do the the fly Lansing, I'm just you're good. Ryan's on the other end of the field from where I. Am. No, you, actually, no, we're next, we're close to each other. Game? No, it, it, Michigan State does this yeah, old ass thing where they like time to fly around the country with fly Lansing. And then I they. I don't remember that. Oh, they do. I mean, everyone probably does a version of it. It's like, hey, here's uh, but, no, apparently on. not. I, I like Michigan State is like known that. for this, apparently. But I also know they do. Uh, like they just have scores on, um, like the little ring about. At least in one of the end zones. Yeah, uh, but you don't have to look board. at those. No, the ends. Ryan, the end zone we're in doesn't have it. But you don't have to look at those. But but for real though, like I when they do the fly lancing thing, Ryan and I are like two sections apart. He'll just hear me going. Ah! Close your eyes, fingers in your ears. <laughs> just, ah! just screaming. <laughs> no, I uh, record that game. Watch when you get home. I'll be a hundred, like a hundred. You know, I, I'm just, you know how anyone who has listened to this for any length of time knows that this is the reason I love this sport so much is these intangible kind of games, the hype, the just, you know, those kind of games where if you're there, you just feel legitimate energy, like some metaphysical power. That's going to be Michigan that State, Penn State. At. Hell no. We're going to destroy that joke-ass program. That's going to be hype before. It's, it's not because be they're a, a no, joke. It's gonna be and, a they really play, and they game. play great for two weeks. No, no, <laughs> Like, I know you no, hate you, them, you know what? I'll tell you what. There's if, nothing to hate so far. We want to talk about a lit environment. If Iowa wins against that Iowa State game, my game is going to be insane. Does does Iowa play anyone else before Penn State like relevant? Yeah, Michigan, and then it's a bye week, and uh, then it's Penn yeah. State. Yeah, I remember. 
Yep. So Iowa's going to be undefeated. I look you you okay. You're laughing at that. I'm not I, laughing. I'm cringing. Okay, same thing. <laughs> you don't believe that they're as good as I, I like. They're number nineteen, man. Oh, they play. Middle I know. Ra- I know. Oh my god, rankings. But I'm telling you, everything I've said about this team so far has come to fruition. Nate no Stanley has been Iowa's super bad. solid. Just to say that, but, then, but you, but you scoffing and cringe, but you scoffing and cringing that they that they have a chance of beating you at home. That's not like, what I said. You just said you cringed. I cringed at the thought of losing that game. Oh, I misread that. All right, well, back to the question at hand. Going a little wider. Well, uh, I, I, I hold on before we go a little wider. I wanna. What I have noticed is a lack of, and I, if you guys truly think there are none, then Michigan. State is a legit playoff threat. Mm. Do you have worries projecting forward with this team? Do you yes. have There's anything one. that you've seen in the I mean, first only, two weeks that you I already think matter? hundred percent. I, I, I don't I really like it. the pass defense because I thought there were pockets for both the teams that we played already to take advantage of it. Eh, which I think that, that I, which I didn't like. I, I while I'm but, not a super fan of that. Other than that, we haven't really played like uh, any. You know, what I mean, like anybody. Like I said, Western's not. Right. The the bomb digging. Here's something I would point right, out. They're, they're not horrible. But. Ryan, here's something I would say though is that especially we'll know especially against Arizona State, if the mm. offense is able to produce at a far better level, I think the defense will take more pride in how they act, and you won't see those pockets. Not in the, not to that level at least. Do you? I mean, do you really think that they're slack? Well, and the offensive line, of course. But my honestly, my biggest concern is I. What I've already I, like, said, I wanted to shut out already. Which is that if the coaching staff doesn't trust Lewerke, if they don't, then we're screwed. If they I mean, do, I don't, then we're a ten-win football team. I, I can't remember Tulsa's quarterback how successful he was, but he was not watching Western's quarterback outside of the two picks, he played a pretty solid game. Okay, I'm not concerned about it. I just, I, I'm not. If our offense, can I mean, score, and, from, and from all other accounts, Western's quarterback is. Kind of, this is kind of pretty solid overall, but I mean, I was I was at the Tulsa game, and it's really just like first downs, and I don't think they even had that many first downs, but the ones that they did get, I think I think they had three or four, and I think you know three or four of them were through the air, and I just didn't like that. Again, it's being nitpicky, but the biggest issue is the offensive line, but that's kind of an obvious one. Let's so put it this one way. besides to that. Answer- it's the uh, the pass defense. The, the the way that you're asking it, Paul, obviously, is oh well. If we have all these positives, then state should be a contender. Is what you said. And well, if there's not the negatives to go with it, that's what I'm asking. I have don't. I don't think that the things. negatives. So to answer your question, I th- again, I think this is a ten win football team, even with everything that we talked about negative wise. I like. I just am. Well, Lewerke, we Lewerke in and of, of himself is giving me that much confidence, which I could be very much wrong in that, but I, I just, I see something Which different. is fine. It's, there's, it's not worried about being right or wrong, just asking your opinion. It, yeah, they won't really be overreactions in outside, two weeks after they play Arizona <laughs> State and Northwestern. Outside That's of the sure. pass defense, which you aren't that worried about, I'm we not. haven't really talked about negatives. Well, offensive line, we did talk about, you haven't, but we did talk about the offensive line. Again, that is, I think Lewerke has two perfect ways to go, like, make that not an issue i mean what is the thing if you have a weak offensive line 
you either scramble or you get that bitch out as quick as possible. And Lurky has, at least for now, seemed to have a propensity to do both. But what so, happens when you play a really good defense and you don't have anywhere to throw That is the all ball? the more reason why it is important for them to trust him to be able to make those plays even against, like a I, Chase Young, So for I guess example. what I'm saying is, with your skill positions and your offensive line, I don't think those plays are going to be there against certain teams. We'll see. I think we got some pretty good receivers. I don't expect Dotson to be as sure-handed as he was against Western. See, what Michigan but. State lacks this year, in my opinion, I think you guys have a couple nice receivers. I'll tell you what, Stewart, Stewart's looking like the next great state I receiver. don't think you guys have a game-breaker. Oh, I think Stewart is. The way, what I saw against with Wester, man, who there were three straight. I think Cody White is too. Th- there Cody were played out of his. There were three straight plays. So Cody White is like to me is like a well, Jason as, as much as you can ball out on Spartan. He's like a Jason but. Avant to me, a very uh, nice just, receiver. Avant, Avant was more but physical. Stewart's good. Chambers is good. A very nice receiver. And then if you can get uh, Collins involved in the passing game, I guess I don't see a DPJ on your team. Okay, I, I'm being for just <laughs> asking your question. Why do you pick your worst? Right, I, I, like if you said Nico Collins, I'd be totally with you. See, but D- DPJ can't hold a candle to Nico Collins. Like Nico Collins is your best receiver since Braylon. He's so good. I actually think Tariq Black's better than Nico Collins. No, I disagree. But but fine. But regardless, the thing regardless. is, it's all personal preference. You could list the three in any order. I mean, I love possession receivers. though. No, you can't. Like D- that's why DPJ I like is at the bottom of the. Three, I would say that no too. matter DPJ's what. problem has been health. I mean, call whatever you want. I, I, I prefer possession receivers. That's why I like Nico Collins so much. But regardless, I, th- I Paul, if you hadn't seen the game, the th- reason why I think that Daryl Stewart is so— No, I watched. Okay, so there was—I think it was at either the end of the half or at the beginning of the third. There were three straight plays. Lewerke just went straight to him, and he just— I mean, there was literally no. I, I, in the chat, you can literally look at the receipts, and I would commented live as he got three straight passes. He just, he just took them. I mean, that touchdown I mean, he had was really nice play by him. He's he is the one that has the closest potential of breaking out in that fashion, and I think he's capable of it. We shall see. You know, what we haven't mentioned somehow is the fact that Michigan's fumbled eight times in two games. Do both of you just assume that that absolutely is not going to continue? I mean, if Shea Patterson is your quarterback, you can continue to see that becoming the case. But again, that's where I talk about the coaching staff. Coaching staff's got to do something to, to, to fix that for him. In, in the this, rest of the team, eh, I'm not worried about. But the this coaching staff needs to get to Shea and be like, dude, if you're rolling out, that bitch better be near your feet. Freaking helmet. And that's because where you can't keep doing that shit. Going forward, I am putting my trust in this staff as far as ironing out a couple things. The short yardage stuff, I don't think that they're going to just keep hitting their head against the wall. I think that they are going to figure it out, whether it's going into I-form like an adult or figuring <laughs> out some sort of way to make Gaddis's formations work. I mean, that's the one thing that you haven't seen from this team is creativity in the run game. Which, you can say what you want about Harbaugh liking to run the ball all the time, but they had creativity in the run game. Always. I haven't seen that yet this year. I think the coaching staff will fix that. In the fumbling, I mean, you cannot... Po- it's got to be a school record, the most we fumbled in the first two games of the year. Like, it's just it's absurd. because your quarterback doesn't know how to... Five lost fumbles ball. this season. We lost three all last year. That's <clears throat> insane. And the other thing that I'm placing trust in the coaching staff, I think they understand... I know that they understand what's at stake. 
And I don't think that they will let Shea Patterson cost them this season. I don't see it happening. Yes. And they can drop a game. They can drop one game. They can safely drop one game before OSU. And if they do, they're going to Dylan McCaffrey. If it's on Shea, if Shea is the reason that they lose. And if he struggles to the point where it looks like they're going to lose a game multiple weeks in a row, like it's just bad play and bad play, they will go to Dylan McCaffrey pending health. I very much believe that. And if that's wrong, that is both a shame on this coaching staff and it will tank this season. But Shea could turn it around. I hope. Though if he plays bad against Wisconsin and they lose, do you think they pull him for the season? I think so. Yes. Yeah. I, that, yeah. It'd be sure. the same. It'd be the same thing as Brandon Peters. And after Wisconsin, they play Rutgers. I think. I believe it's Rutgers. Don't quote me on that. I'm not looking at the schedule right now. Yeah, Perfect because you game. have a buffer game between Iowa. Perfect game to break down McCaffrey. In. Right. If we go down and Shea Patterson has a rough game, turns the ball over twice, and we lose to Wisconsin, there's. Could you imagine how apoplectic Michigan fans would be if he walked out there for Rutgers? In the in the cast, it's better than Myriad. In the cast, there we go. They used used for ten weeks in a row. Uh, you know what? That's just one of my favorite words. But I think all right. So we've ta- <laughs> I've talked. I've gotten about you, through. But I know you say shit a lot too. I've gotten through my my Iowa Iowa State plug, so I'm happy for that. So I only have one other thing for college football parts. Then we go to the NFL. Uh, obviously, other than if y'all have more broad scope, my I only one. Th- I have one, and it's that LSU may legitimately be the best team in the entire country because they finally, after how many years, but Paul, how many years have we said it that LSU always has a top five roster, but their quarterbacks are such garbage, and finally, it's been a decade, it's finally since they won their fi- national championship. I know because the national championship they got they got no seven. Their quarterback was still crap. Yeah, but it didn't matter. They won well, despite well, right because their rosters are so damn good. I'm telling you, LSU. Oh my God, Joe Burrow's was making so many good throws. Like the entire my my father and I were watching. We always watch the primetime games on Saturdays, and we were watching. And Texas was legitimately helpless because LSU. We all know the NFL caliber receivers they have. In the space they were getting and the throws Burroughs was making, not for nothing that they brought Brady over from the Saints, LSU, dude, I, I'm. this is a dangerous team. So the only reason I forward. pause on LSU, and I, I see what you see. I see Joe Burrow has looked extremely good. I can't take throws anything away he from him. Making he looks like the real deal. Ago. But because LSU has burned me so many times before, <laughs> I want to see what they do against an actual defense. They have played Georgia Southern and a Big 12 team. A, not just a Big 12 team, but a Tom Herman-led Big 12 team. I want to see what they do. And it's going to be a while. I mean, they play nobody. They play a garbage mm-hmm. team next week. They start off their conference schedule with one of the worst SET teams. I don't even know. Is Vanderbilt, Tennessee? I don't even remember who. Um, then they play another garbage out-of-conference game because the SEC only plays like three conference games all season. Yeah. I, I don't think they're tested until they play like Auburn or something, something stupid like that mm-hmm. later in the season. But they have a stretch where they play Auburn, Alabama, Texas A&M, relatively close to each other. In those games, they're actually I think they might even play Florida on the schedule at some point. Those are the games I want to see how he plays against a defense that might be legit. But as I rattle off those teams in my head, it just strikes me how weak I personally think the SEC is this year. 
because their top teams are so damn well i think about florida and yeah they're technically a top 10 team but i think florida's trash honestly like i think they are we all i I think most of the teams between 10 and 20 would beat florida yeah which is crazy but we'll see how that irons itself out this year the problem is they have a three-headed horse that's just dumb good I have no idea what Auburn is, honestly. Like I'll sit here and they're tell you a team, today. They're a Gus Malzahn team that can't I score and has a great defense. I don't know what they are. Alabama's Alabama, and I think Texas A&M is solid. I think they're pretty solid. They held Clemson to, what, 24 points? Yeah, pretty impressive. Now, it was a late cover, but their defense played well. Well, it's Jimbo Fisher familiarity I would chalk that up to. <laughs> no, for story, real. Like, true story. He, he, he does pretty well against... Dabo teams. So, so I, I guess going through it, I'm not going to have an opinion on LSU until like November. But it was it was the way in which their passing game just at like the the game was a seven point game. It was nowhere as close as. And you haven't like. seen this. Like they didn't even they didn't beat up anybody offensively from the quarterback position. He threw for what 400 yards. 500 it's like LSU overall I believe had 550 yards of offense I mean he had 75 percent ish completion percentage like the throws were just amazing and and it was the but the thing is is this usually usually at least in college the quarterback a lot of the time is the reason the passing game is so good the space the LSU receivers got was something I've never seen college-level receivers do. You want to know what I'm actually more buying going forward? Hmm. Texas is a contender in the Big 12, and specifically Sam Ellinger as not just a Heisman contender, but potentially the best quarterback in the country. No, I can't go that far. James so, too good. what is lost... Sammy Boy. What is lost in this game because Texas didn't do didn't really defend their home field the way they should have. Their corners got ran off the field. Ellinger absolutely lit up what should be a really, really good LSU defense. I would argue that was a lot a lot more because they were playing from behind so much. 400 yards and four touchdowns against LSU. And you most can't of just that write came that off. in the second half. You can't just write that off. I... It's not... He made no mistakes, and that doesn't even account for what he did on the ground. He scored a touchdown with his legs. He moved the six a few times with his legs. I was super impressed by him. Texas mm-hmm. can't play defense, and nope. but that's the Big 12. No one in the Big 12 is playing defense. Right. So they have a shot to me, and that's something I'll buy going forward. Okay. Uh, the other stuff is, is status quo. Alabama's Alabama. Clemson is Clemson. Uh, I, I don't agree with that at all. I think Clemson's way more vulnerable than people So You know what's funny is – I don't want to have a big opinion on Clemson because we're not going to know until the playoff. We literally can't find out until <laughs> so the playoff. Tragic. But the narrative coming out of this weekend is that Clemson has cemented themselves as untouchable. Which they play a road game against the Maction. I don't. Saying. I don't get it. Like that's not what I saw from them. I saw their offense that should be just absolutely otherworldly get somewhat stifled by a. Good, but not great team. So I, I would agree with you that maybe they're vulnerable, but it's not like we're going to see in the regular season. So here's the, here's a, here's kind of the kicker, they though. And, it's, and this is all the more reason why. Because I heard Ryan. I, I heard Ryan scoffing at my LSU thing. But this is, but here's the question, Ryan. 
between the two teams, and obviously it's a little reactionary, but between the two teams, which offense has looked better, LSU or Clemson? And I don't think it's a close argument. I don't. I think Clemson would be LSU. No. LSU well, has looked better than the two First teams, of all, but I that's think not Clemson what he asked. Second of all, but it is, to me, I just can't answer that question because you cannot possibly, the teams that they played, it, you can't compare them. There's just no way. I mean, that's Maryland's offenses look like the best in the country. Right. <laughs> so, in fairness. And, but it, I'm but, talking and they about, played a know. top 25 team. And actually, I, I'm glad that I brought that up. There's two quick ones that I want to go through. Maryland, I legitimately thought was a bottom 2-3 team in the Big Ten just because they've been so bad. But going forward, I fully believe Maryland. And part of it is the fact that Maryland has the fifth most roster talent in the entire Big Ten. Fifth most. And they are starting to play like oh. it. And I didn't know what Loxley was going to bring to the table, but you can see what he's – and it's not just him in his system. It's the transfers that he brought, the quarterback that they have, what he's starting to surround them with. They're starting to figure out who their playmakers are. They've scored, what, 142 points over the course of two games. One of them – Hanging 60-some points on a top 25 team, which you can argue the merits of Syracuse is a top 25 team, but they're no slouch. Uh, they're, not, they're not Georgia Southern. Okay, so what they did, and your man, Dino Babbers, just Babers, got absolutely— you keep doing this. Yes, I do do it a ton, but that's all right. <laughs> they just got absolutely butt-sexed by Mike Loxley's offense. Lovely. And with the talent that they have actual talent on the roster. Like, they are not a garbage team. They are a top 25 caliber talent team. And the fact that it looks like they kind of have an identity and a semblance of what they're doing, it sucks that they're in the East because they can make some noise. And they are probably going to beat somebody and ruin somebody's season this year, as well as winning seven-plus games and maybe a bowl game. So that's the one. And the second one, again... I just want to remind everybody, I am a believer in Illinois. They are a bull team this year. Yeah. Oh, easy money for us. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Ryan's well, like, I'm out. Away with, uh... Well, no, I don't, I don't care about Maryland super enough. I will say it's interesting, though, is sometimes, like, if you beat a top 25 team so handily like they did, you almost don't get enough credit for right. it because everyone just assumes that they suck because you went out and – you know, beat them by 40. Mm-hmm. That, that's a fantastic observation. Pl- that's a good point. And we're going to see kind of how it plays out at the end of the year, but you've already kind of heard some talk of it, is what if the SEC gets three teams in the playoff with LSU, Georgia, and Alabama? <laughs> so absurd because the SEC is so bad outside of those three teams. But that's the that's the thing is they right. But if you have so three good. of the best fourteen, that's that's the thing. Well, we don't, they how are, so are we good. going to know when they don't play each other? Do you have any doubts about – Alabama or Georgia? Because I, I have think... I have large doubts about Georgia. Yes, I have huge oh, doubts. Yes, stop. I very much do. I do. okay. Well, I you always have doubted them for whatever reason. Alabama, I, I will not doubt one hundred percent. But I have absolute doubts about Georgia. Who do you have more LSU doubts about? To... Who do you have more doubts about? LSU or Georgia? Georgia. Interesting. I think LSU is right. better than Georgia. Okay, but uh, they don't play Georgia. It's stupid. Bro, like it's so but... infuriating. All right, Ryan, round us out, though, because so, we need to get going to the NFL. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was my other big uh, big takeaway, just kind of piggybacking off the LSU stuff, was the SEC has a real chance to get three of the four teams in. No, they don't. Which would be crazy no, because don't. even if they don't have the depth, you got, you know, three of the top, three of the top everybody, essentially. Yeah. But 
unless you guys have any more college objections, which of course you might, then we will move on to the pro game right. where we started off with a thrilling ten to three. No, we don't. Packers yes, we do. Over the Bears. Yes, we do. No, moving on. Thank yes, you for playing. Yes, we did. No, I'm all right. Thanks. And thanks. Then, so. Could you I'm imagine good. a more so? I'm good. Thank you, though. Me and Ryan and I'm sure Matt, we're sitting here and we're like, man, Packers Chicago to kick off the season. What a cluster! Like. Why can't both these teams lose? Can this can this game end in a tie and we, Aaron Rodgers? Sad, the the sad thing in? is we basically did. That's the great thing. I didn't think there was any way I was going to be happy with oh, the outcome of this game. Oh, you basically tied, huh? Yet I was extremely happy with that. It was perfect. Both teams looked like dog crap. And Chicago was in the cellar where they belong. The Packers won, and I expect them to be okay this year. And both teams looked extremely beatable. Like, that game could not have went better. Right? Right, well, could that game have gone better? I don't know. This is, is still the worst way to, <laughs> to to watch the season opener. Oh, I loved every but second. The Packers, they didn't look like they were so great on offense. Obviously, we already knew the Bears weren't. But I didn't. I like what the Packers did on defense. I didn't know that they'd look particularly that good on defense. And maybe it's because they played the Bears. You've got to be shitting but me on this, right? I don't know. The, the, the game plans weren't um, – <laughs> weren't exactly great and it gave me hope until i saw what happened on sunday well you know what funny you say that because for the longest time this weekend it was very dark and shadowy and i was in a rough spot i very much was and y'all made me see the light thank you very much for that because as much as y'all want to talk about my game the far more interesting one i didn't it's just the game that started uh, look it's fine you can you can kind of harp on that or you can ignore that your team gave up what was it? Eighteen points and tied to arguably the worst team in all of football. So second worst. No, the only thing second worst. worst. The only thing worse than a tie I, I, is a loss. The worst part about the NFL is we're in week one for this. Like at least with college, you know, we're starting to see things come to fruition a little. With the NFL, I mean, what is what is there to say about our two teams? Like my offense looked like shit, and my defense, as I said, looks. I would argue better where it matters. That's so much more infuriating because the offense looked so god awful. And also, one thing I do I do have a question for, and I don't know Paul or Ryan if you can help me out with this. Um, does Matt Nagy have the same relationship with David Montgomery that Sean Payton did with Mark Ingram? What the shit? That man same got relationship no he t- had with Jordan Howard. So. Uh, apparently, because I, I guess Matt Nagy is racist against running backs because he hates that position. I don't know what it is because David Montgomery looked real good with the touches he had. And then he wasn't, I don't know if he was in the game after midway through the third quarter. How do you? I don't get it. With I don't understand it. Mitch Trubisky is your quarterback. Decide that in a game that was legitimately a one score game the entire time throw the ball as much as you did uh i can answer that by saying that if we had yeah i could let's put it this way if i were to take mitch trubisky cut off his right hand sear it so that it doesn't get infected and force him to play left-handed he would have done far better than he did in that game he would have because he would have only been a running and handoff threat exactly i don't know you know what's the worst thing is we have God tier status Adrian Amos over here making the most routine ass pick because Mr. Trubisky did something Credits, that please. I don't 
Uh, no, please. no, not at all. Because again, if you watch the actual play, Mr. Trubisky made a mistake that college quarterbacks oh, he, he on FCS mistake, levels Adrian don't Amos do. That. Also made a really Dude, nice play on the ball he, to steal. The not game. even remotely. That's the most routine interception <laughs> you could make. Not even remotely. You no. Routine. Watch the play. I can tell you exactly what happened. Most safeties do Adrian not make Amos, that play. No, Adrian. Well, okay, that that just is a detriment to how safeties play. Okay, that's not because it's not a routine pick. Because Mr. Bisky looked on that side of the field the entirety of the play. And on top of that, Adrian Amos was in a cover one. And so Trubisky looking that way, I don't even know what was going on through his head there. I'll, I'll Actually, I'll tell you what it was. The, the entire time. And he decides to look the that way the entirety of the route on a cover one in man coverage. And then decides to overthrow it. And that's what happens. I mean, I, I, was I surprised? No. Was I surprised it was Adrian Amos? Even more so, no. Because the the Bears, for whatever reason, are cursed. We can never get a quarterback. It will not happen. And, and I was joking. I was like, I hope Trubisky gets hurt so we can tank for Tua. Oh, wait. We can't. Because we don't have our first-round pick for the next two years. So, <laughs> I'm having fun. Then why don't you have your first-round pick? Because Roquan Smith fell to us, and then Ryan Pace got bold. That's not accurate. That's terrible. That's 100% what happened. Uh, that is I absolutely guess, the I truth. Guess. You're just like, ah, we had to trade for Khalil. No, you. no, 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 no. I'm not saying that we had to. I think that Ryan Pace was like, hey, we hit the lottery with Roquan getting to where we did. Where we did. So if we miss on first-round picks, no big deal. It is a big deal, obviously. But at the time, Ryan Pace didn't think so. The worst part is, is this defense would arguably be just not – as good but at least serviceable enough we'd be a better team if we didn't have khalil mack but we could tank for one of those quarterbacks i i warned you and i think i i, I think we were podcasting you, so. you did not 100 percent. i did i now i'm pulling their seats for next week's cast i uh, know you can look in the chat because when it first happened i was with you but then i but then no. i learned about the actual no you weren't mount that we gave yeah 100 percent. i said we exactly to, what you we said went, we went to i said i said 100 percent that if trubisky wasn't our quarterback it wasn't a problem but it is because we're going to have to draft a new right, quarterback I'll pull the that's next what week. i said we're not gonna do this on this cast but it's regardless fine, but it's true i am in ecstasy you can drive over shit. all of this because I called the Bears' trajectory from the moment they made the trade for Khalil Mack. All of this. The best worst team in the league. The only thing that I missed out on was the fact that they were going to have an absurd year in the turnover column last year. Both forced fumbles and picks and just stupid historically good defense that carried them farther than they realistically had business being. Which is fine. No problem with outliers. I knew exactly how this was going to turn out because you didn't have the quarterback. You're paying Khalil Mack. Not only did you give up all your first-round picks to give him, but you're paying him a gazillion dollars as a defensive end, which I will say, looking at some of the contracts have come out, is almost not that bad anymore, but it still is. They're all mistakes. That's, That's fine. Contracts. They're all mistakes. They do go up. Your other problem is your coach oh my God. is not as incredible oh as you not, think I, he is okay this is a perfect thing that i know you can appreciate how in any way shape or form can you in good conscience say that with hit with that quarterback 
It's very like, simple. I'm, I mean, I, and you no, started I, to make how? my argument for me. So you just say, wow, your quarterback's so bad you can't do anything. He gets a free pass for no matter what. That's the problem what is, no, but it's the attitude. The first thing you said I just when don't we started know talking about this game is, why does he ignore our running back for our garbage quarterback? We have a really good running back in David Montgomery. He's not using him the same way he didn't use Jordan Howard the year before. The same way that he's insisted on letting Mitch Trubisky lose games for us. If he is as smart and an offensive genius as you think he is, he wouldn't be doing that. And I'm You're right. not saying he put he's Chase bad. Daniel in. That's he the solution. Needs the, I'm not saying that's the solution. I'm saying yeah, take man. the ball out of your goddamn quarterback's hands and don't let him sling it 50 times when he sucks. And if he does sling it, let him sling it to places he's capable of slinging it. Now, here's the reason I'm hung up on it, though. Why? Because you're saying, "Oh, well, he threw so much." Well, yeah, it wouldn't be a problem if it, my my contention is if he wasn't the quarterback, you wouldn't have this discussion because the plays themselves were not the problem. Yes, it's the but that's dumbass the, that's the who's thing that, throwing it. But that's the thing about good coaches; they play to their personnel. They don't just say. This is a good play. I'm going to run it even though my guy cannot do it. And that's where the contention – I don't know what to tell you either, except your team kind of sucks on offense. I just love this because not only was it the perfect game, not only was it the perfect game to kick off the season from a standpoint of I hate both these teams and I want to be right at the same time, but the guy – that I talked up so much in our NFL preview that I said it was going to be a hurt. Who made the most routine pick of all Sealed time. the game against the team he left. And you sealed can say the game how like he was the one who was did it. was all you want. Mr. I, play, I was the captain, safety, quarterback, track star, basketball star, shot put star. Of all people, you're going to But not the kicker. Uh, that's true. That's true. Not the kicker. I don't know what we're talking about now. Best kicker on the team, though. <laughs> That's true, also. <laughs> Listen, I would never brag about my athletic prowess. No, it's a, look, man, it's a, a positive right. that Pinheiro made the kick. That's what, that was what I was going to say, too. You had one kick, one and you one. nailed it. He didn't get any more because your offense couldn't get the ball down the field, but that's life. No, I just – at, at best, it was perfect irony that all the discussion we had the week before and then Amos is the one who gets the game-ending pick. Whatever. I think can, it was kind can, of can prophetic. We on, can we move on to Ryan talking about Lamar Jackson, please? <laughs> oh, boy. One thing I learned is Lamar Jackson is the greatest quarterback of all time. 59 points in the NFL. That is so absurd. And it's so beautiful. And you guys are going to obviously poop-poop it because it was against the Dolphins, who are not a good team. I will tell you, though, there were many many worse pass defenses last year than the Dolphins, and none of the quarterbacks that faced those defenses did nearly as good as Lamar Jackson did. In fact, it's damn near impossible to play damn near as well as Lamar Jackson did for any quarterback to ever step foot on NFL. Ryan, I have a question for you. Which team was it that players after this week were asking to be traded from the team? Was it, was the, it the one who got wrecked by Lamar Jackson? Oh, yeah, team. maybe because they knew how trash he was, and they're like, you know what? I can't do this. I can't be on this team with this being the case. I'll try you more touchdowns and incompletions. You're going to talk about how trash he is. I mean, I would argue that Hollywood Brown did him more favors than he did for anybody else, but. Oh, you mean like that 60 yard pass that he threw on a dime? That was the 87 yard touchdown? And a wide open one after he beat his man by, what, three yards? Like, come on, dude. 
And he delivered a that what are you talking about? And he delivered a yeah, dime. What every, are you supposed and, to do? And, and are you supposed every, to purposely underthrow it? NFL quarterback that isn't mine would hit him in stride. Oh right. This is why they all did the same exact thing when they had players open. Okay. Oh, wait, none of them had nearly as good of a day as Lamar. All I can tell you from the Baltimore game is that Baltimore is going to be the absolutely the most fun team to watch. They don't give a shit. Crazy. And and how come, the, how come that is? Because they're sitting there in, in a game where they're up by, like, 30 points. They decide to do a fullback dive on fourth down that goes for 60 yards. Like, John Hart. Oh, so none of them being fun to watch is going to be their quarterback. I didn't say that he's not going to be enjoyable to watch, but he's not sitting here being God-tier all of a sudden just because he has one game against the worst NFL roster possibly since the Buccaneers in 1974. Like, dude, you're acting like all of a sudden... But there were 11 worst pass defenses last year. Oh, oh, dude, why do you keep bringing up last year like somehow this Miami team is not the worst roster we've seen possibly ever? Like, come on. Because you saw other bad teams... And their quarterbacks didn't do as good. So you made the point, and we're going to talk about the Lions later, during the game when the Lions were smashing the Cardinals, right? I think it was probably 24-6 to or 18-6, to whatever it was. Oh, man, I know it's the Cardinals, but these guys are still pros. But all of a sudden, once Lamar Jackson doing that, these guys are still pros. The Cardinals aren't sitting there having the half their roster literally ask them to be traded. It's that bad. And why do you think that was? Because they got this smacked Mi- the fuck This around. Miami team. You know, you know, like that's such a compliment to have a quarterback beat a team so bad they say, we don't want to play here anymore. This Miami roster, this Miami roster off the field? is that 2014. No, not, is it 2014? Whatever that Philadelphia 76ers team was, that tank before Joel Embiid, that is this Miami Dolphins team. They arguably are not an NFL roster. This is going to be the team That's that everybody is going to talk about, Bama or Clemson or LSU or whoever, if they played, that this NFL team would lose to them. That is how bad this roster is. And they'd still all be wrong as they've been the previous 100 years. Obviously, that is true. But this NFL roster is Okay, so is, it, is, another corner, is another quarterback going to do what Lamar did against the same team? Absolutely. Because 15 others had the chance. I, or not 50. They will. And yes, they're they going to do what Lamar did. I'm going to tell you there's going to be another team that's going to put 50 on this roster. Okay, but is that quarterback going to play like Lamar? But as you had just said in the previous portion, it's all about game flow. So the quarterback may not do that, but you sure as shit are going to see a team eviscerate this roster. And it could be but on the ground. We're, we're talking about the quarterback. We're talking about Lamar. But again, the reason why Lamar was doing it the way it was is because of game flow and the way that they called the game. If you have another team, like, for example, the Chargers, if the Chargers play the Dolphins, they're just going to run up and down on that team forever. Me? Yes. Oh, we that's could, nice. If it was the Chargers or if you're going against Dallas or whoever, teams that have better backs, not, you know, 30-some-odd-year-old Mark Ingram, they may run the ball way more than your Alrighty. team's going to throw. Okay, a, a team that We're doesn't done. run no, the ball, no, no, is no, their no, quarterback no, no, no. going to do that? So my mic had a full-fledged mutiny, and I couldn't interject on this absolutely absurd party of fucking ridiculousness. Um, we're out of control. First of all, you asked if any other quarterbacks can do what Lamar Jackson did. We've seen one actually outperform Lamar, someone that was actually perfect on the day against the same defense. Now, I'm not going to... LOL, Robert Griffin's better than fucking Lamar Wait, Jackson. Wait, so are you on my side or not? Because you're sounding like you're not. I, I don't know what side I'm on. I'm just going to point out what actually happened in this goddamn game since you guys are on just absurd. I, well, have you ever heard of loosening the jar before someone else opens it? First of all, I don't know if you guys actually watched this game. Um, I did. Did sadly. you see where the receivers were when Lamar was ripping the ball? 
That's what I had just said. I, I don't give yeah, a Yeah, they had the ball in their I, hands. And I don't care. I know I was listening, and I know you did make the point about their secondary and that Ryan's absurd for talking about last year. I don't care what their stats were last year. You got right. guys with 10 yards of separation that oh. Lamar could have closed his eyes and punted the ball and got That's it That's what I all right? literally so, said. No, I know. I, I'm, in, I'm in agreement with you on that. So first of all, Lamar did what legitimately you could have done. On that field right. for the most part. Just absolutely absurd. It, now, I'm not going to detract from the fact that Lamar had his best game as a pro, and he did show some arm talent that he didn't last year and that it can be a difference for this team going forward. But to That's act one of the like, best games you'll ever see from You can't okay. say that. No, you can't no. say that at all. Because okay, what's much yeah, more impressive is when quarterbacks have to manufacture, when the defense isn't giving. You can say it's one of the most efficient games you'll ever see from a quarterback, and I won't argue that point. What's he supposed that to is, do? Purposely throw incompletion that is, so that the game is closer? Just listen for two god dang seconds. You guys have talked okay, for like well, 15 see what, see what your boy You Josh guys does have talked for like 15 minutes on this fucking team. Let me set some actual facts straight. You can say Lamar Jackson had one of the most efficient games you'll ever see, and that is accurate, but it was because it was there and he could have done it blindfolded, punting the ball for completions. Lamar Jackson did what he should have done, and I'm not going to take away from him for that, but to act like he had this absurdly good game when he didn't have to throw into tight coverage once the entire game is just absolutely stupid, especially when Robert Griffin III, who was out of the NFL not very long ago, came in and went perfect against the same team. He went per six passes. Lamar Jackson threw fucking 20. You want to talk about passes? Yes. Like he threw 15. Like he threw 50 passes. Robert Griffin threw six passes, completed every single one, and had a touchdown and had a higher QBR than Lamar Jackson. And was better on the ground than Lamar Jackson. Come on, man. All right. You want to talk about that? How about you talk about a team trying to give the goddamn game away to the fucking Cardinals? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. He said your quarterback. Like it's not his team. Listen, he's heated because he sucks Lamar Jackson's dick, and that's fine. Okay. This is getting too hot. We aren't Same even. From the man, we are not right. even from the man half. We are not halfway <laughs> through this. Lamar Jackson threw the ball twenty times. You know what the team did? They ran forty-six fucking times. When you right. take out quarterback runs, weird. Run, when all the passes you are going take to, out quarterback so. runs, this team averaged six and a half yards a carry on the ground. Jesus. Six and a half bad. yards a carry in the NFL Ooh. on the ground. Over thirty-nine carries from. One, two, three, four different running backs. Four running backs, 39 carries, average six and a half yards. Are you out of your god dang mind? Yeah. Washed up well, Mark the, Ingram. Washed, our, washed up Mark Ingram over 100 yards and two touchdowns on 14 carries. Yeah, because Lamar Jackson had to do shit when he was throwing to people that were wider than the Pacific Open. Okay, yeah, ridiculous. see what your boy Josh Allen does. Robert Griffin came in, was perfect against this defense, had a higher QBR yeah, in the rush. Yeah, it's going to be crazy when Josh Allen throws three picks against This him. Miami uh, team man. is going to go 0-16, okay? 100%. This Miami team is not going me Miami to win a fucking game. And you can Bet say, me. you know what? Arizona is the second worst team in the NFL. I'll give you five But Arizona is going to win four fucking games. In the golf, on, the Paul, golf Paul, between Arizona and Miami There's a is bet. bigger than the golf between Detroit and the fucking Patriots. You have said a lot about me, five to one. You, you have said a lot about bodies of water, but but Ryan is trying to make you have an official bet right now. What's Betting the bet? him? What are my odds? That five bet. to five, five to one. Own sixteen. Sixteen. Miami does play the Jets twice. Hold on. Jets have Levy on though. And if if they're giving up six and a half yards of carry and it's Le'Veon's so playing, hard to go on six. Yeah, and if they're letting and if they're letting a running back throw for five fucking touchdowns, 
in a million yards. Oh, one. I wonder where you. I wonder where you got that quote. So from here's today. my biggest concern. You want to know? Ironically, my I fucking told you that when he was five for five with two you touchdowns. Know what are you talking about? The Pats played Miami at the end of the season, last game of the season. The Pats are going to sit every single relevant player on their roster and still win that game. Yep. Crazy. So are they going to go zero and sixteen? Twice in NFL history, they played the Jets twice. Give me ten to one, and I'll take it. All right, I'll give you ten to one. Boom. All right, there done. What? What? Hold on. What's the wager? I said forty. Yeah. So hold on. You're wagering forty, or you're wagering so four hundred. Are you serious about this right now? Yeah. I would feel oh, bad no. collecting on this. Oh no, Ryan. Well, you're not going. Ryan, to, so no, no, Ryan. You, that's too much. It's on the podcast. No, it's on the podcast. Just do forty. Just do forty. Come on, man. This no. roster is so Get bad. Got here? No. Oh my. After everything you said about Lamar Jackson, you're on. Mm-mm. 40, I can't 40 to 400. I can't, nah, I can't do this in good conscience. It's this done. is literally going to. Your little butt it's buddy done. Josh this Allen. Is, after he this throws is, the game away. This, four it is this decided. Is, this is going to cause a rift in our group, and I don't like it. No, it's not. Uh, because it's not going to fucking happen. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean? And Paul's not going to be that I, one mad of you about is, losing 40 One bucks. of you is going to collect, so. Right. I'm collecting $40. It's 10 to 1. Oh, yeah, it is. I said Oh. See, I don't feel good rooting for, rooting for Paul's side on this anymore. I don't like it. Uh, it's all right. I'll give it back when him and McKenna get married. Uh, <laughs> shit. All right. All right. All we'll right. be a free wedding gift. I like this. Moving on to something that's going to make Ryan a little happier. Why don't you regale us with the tale of Mike Scott? Oh, my goodness. So this was beautiful. It started off very, very much not beautiful. So Philadelphia Eagles fans and Philadelphia in general, besides one TV show, Pretty shitty when it comes to people. That's right. It's very, very well documented. Even their founding fathers were not very nice people, but <laughs> they, they gave us the country. So they were playing the Redskins at home, and they had a, a coffin tailgating. And you think, oh, okay, it's whatever. It might be in a little bad, bad taste to say that this team's just going to die, but it is what it is. That's happened in football before. That's happened really in every sport. The, the message of we're going to kill this team whether it's coffins or skeletons, just kind of whatever it is. What they did is so beyond the pale of, like, being a fan. It's actually being a fanatic and not caring, really putting your sports fandom for absolutely anything ever in life, which is crazy. So they threw a uh, – I'm sorry, Deshaun. They threw a Sean Taylor jersey on the coffin, and Sean Taylor, of course, was a, a Redskins safety Back in the early 2000s, Fantastic who was killed, yeah, great player, all pro safety, was on track, and even now you'll you have people who will say he would have been, if not the greatest safety of all time, certainly one. Yeah, of them. I love that. Again. So, so they put much. his jersey on a coffin, Ugh. and Mike Scott. I don't even even I don't know if he's from Washington. My my guess is he's probably from DC. Um, <laughs> he plays for the Philadelphia 76ers, so very well entrenched with the city. Has a lot of good graces with the fans because, you know, the Sixers are a team that performed relatively well, especially from where they've been in the past. We mentioned them tanking before the Embiid year a little bit earlier. So it's a team that the city is excited about. It's not like the Tigers this year where people could kind of, you know, give a fuck about them. Right? It's a team the city is excited about. So all the players, they're, they're hyping up. 
they love pretty much all of them from the first guy on the roster to the 15th guy on the roster. If they say, I'll play for the Sixers, they'll say, hey, man, go get that championship this year, and they'll be real excited about it. So he showed up to the game in the Sean Taylor jersey, and I don't know how he saw this tailgate. If he, uh, Someone probably put it on Twitter, and, of course, it blew up there because of the fucking absurdity of having a Sean Taylor jersey on a coffin. But eventually he found he found where the action was taking place, so to speak. And he went, and of course he had a problem. And Mike Scott was wearing a Sean Taylor jersey. Probably a coincidence. I don't I don't assume that he just had one in the tuck and was like, ha, let me go put this on. So he was wearing a Sean Taylor jersey to the game and some red plaid shorts looking like a straight up blood. <laughs> he went to these fans. He probably told them to take it off first. He was probably, you know, obviously cursing at him again because of the absurdity of it. They, of course, refused because they're Philadelphia Eagles fans. So then he got into just a full-on fight with these fans. And this is a 6'10 NBA player with – it's not like you don't know who he is. He has very very distinctive tattoos about him. So if you see him, if like you can identify him in a police lineup, you can say, yeah, that's definitely who Mike Scott is. So the 6'10 dude in the Sean Taylor jersey is out here fighting what looks to be like a just a horde of Eagles fans. If they're Eagles, it could be a flock of Eagles fans, <laughs> if you prefer that terminology. Someone's recording it, and there's all these dudes just trying to run up on him, and he's just left and right. Pow! Left hook, right hook, left hook, right hook, right jab, left jab. And, he, and he's taking all these dudes out. So, I mean, props to, props to Mike Scott. But for this video, just kind of the encapsulated absurdity of it, is there is a basketball player who's not quite beloved in the city, but he's certainly celebrated and rooted for in the city. Yeah. Going to a game where a fan is displaying absolutely, and I hate I hate the word class, but in this case, just absolutely like classless behavior and just a, like a, a horrible human being type of move. And he's just fighting these civilians. And my favorite part of it is going to be if the Sixers win the championship, and now I sort of hope that they do, because then that same Eagles team, because Philadelphia is, a, is also a tight-knit community, right? As, a, as horrible as they might be to others, they're very tight with one another. If the Eagles win the title, they're certainly going to be celebrated at – I'm sorry, if the Sixers win the title, they're certainly going to be celebrated at Lincoln Field where – or it might not be Lincoln Field anymore. That, yeah, it is. That's still my always sunny memory. Perfect. So it's going to be Lincoln Field, and they're going to be celebrated, and Mike Scott's going to be – at the center of the celebration, and all those fans, <laughs> if, of course, they bring home the title, are going to be cheering him, even though the NBA season ends in June. We're in September right now, where nine months earlier, Mike Scott was out here punching those same people in the stands <laughs> who were probably rooting for Mike Scott before he decided you know, to, to knock their lights out. Right. But all around, it's just a, no winners. It's such a crazy no situation. Winners. Well, Mike Scott. Yeah, a, I was gonna say Mike Scott is for sure the winner in all this because I've I haven't heard any any legal ramifications. No, but well, that's the what? thing. No, so no, I know, but just, listen, you get to go up and literally it's not a good just haymaker after haymaker, a bunch of fucking idiots that completely deserve it, and you face no discipline for it from your team, from the law, from anything. That is an absolute win for this man now i guess it, you can say well he's a big nba player yeah but it's not like this was one-on-one -on -one. and he's not a professional mma fighter this man was just throwing haymakers and i listen i don't want to make this about race but there were a lot of oh, slurs thrown out there and oh yeah there that were is... these guys look like straight up skinheads. must have felt right at home i i just 
they they totally got what was coming to them, and I'm extremely I'm extremely yeah. happy that the the Seventy Sixers are not disciplining him. They're not suspending him. They're you? not finding him. Like, they're not doing anything. Well, I mean, in today's environment, you would almost expect a suspension fine. to come out of this. But at the same time, of... one thing I mentioned when we talked about this off air was how even in the city of Philadelphia, the Eagles fans are seen as like just low class, losers. So. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm just, not even remotely surprised. Just they're just this, bad people. The <laughs> great thing is, is this literally just becomes a footnote of all the ways Philly fans are awful. Like, in a couple of years, it's just another footnote on the timeline of, you guys are the trashiest people in sports. Mm. It's true. It's like, it's like the Lions. Time. I don't know. It's just another footnote in the in the way that they've blown. Did you have to hurt me? I thought we were going to get through this without talking about the Lions. You know, and speaking of they're always speaking of lines. you know classless and and hurt and awful and hurt and all that, Antonio Brown, he got what he wanted. I honestly, I I wonder. I was thinking about this, like as we were podcasting tonight, and we started getting into the NFL, and it kind of reminded me <laughs> of Legarrette right. Blunt getting to the Pats. How? Like, what? Do you not remember? How LeGarrette Blunt literally f***ed his way off the team. And then it was like, oh, I'm a Patriot now. Then scored 10 touchdowns and got a ring. Who was he on before the Patriots? I don't remember. The Steelers. What? Yeah, with Antonio Brown. Oh, yeah, Blunt and Bell. Oh, and my he, God. he literally... I remember. Yeah, didn't, they, didn't they get caught together in the car smuggling? He literally just completely sabotaged his way off the team. And then signs with the Pats, has a great season, wins a ring, and we'll skip the Lions season and say he rides off into the sunset. Huh. And I was thinking about this, like, I think it is. I I didn't see anyone pick him up, but I don't know. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, you know, he'd be played with this man. And he watched Hmm. him do it. And the rumors out there are that the Pats tried to trade for Antonio Brown this offseason. And Pittsburgh didn't want to trade him to a team that they thought they'd be competing with in the AFC. That's not that's not true. They would trade him if they said if they gave two first round picks. Apparently, two first round picks. Yeah, they said they offered, which is absurd. In the fact that you're going to turn around and take a, they got a fifth for Antonio Brown, if I recall, didn't they? A third, a third and a fifth. That you're going to take a third and a fifth instead of a first round pick. Because it's a team that you hope to be competing with. To be just, fair, Sunday night, I think, is your reason why. <laughs> well, Sunday night proved that you didn't have any business being that delusional. Yeah, well, Because they didn't even have AB is. on the field. And they just <laughs> jail sexed you. Which is the they, second time I said that They tonight. somehow, the Steelers, after having Antonio Brown for what, like seven years, somehow underestimated his, his unwillingness to play for another Unbelievable. Team. So, Antonio Brown gets traded team. to a team that he apparently very much didn't want to play for. The cryo thing. Well, because then he nixed the Bills trade before that. So, like, he must have really not wanted to play for the Bills. <laughs> the cryo thing didn't help in just an offseason of disaster. And then, but you wonder if as this was going on, or I wonder, I haven't heard anyone else mention it, but I wonder, as this is going on, in, in, you hit a point of no return eventually. And I feel like in the beginning, Antonio Brown wasn't dead set on not playing for the Raiders. But I think one thing just led to another and got out of control. And eventually you hit this point where they're like, how the hell is this going to work? And then Antonio Brown, I mean, I wonder if he's sitting home with his half CTE brain and he's like, man, remember what Garrett did when we played together? That worked out really well for him. 
I don't know. And he just starts just wild and off. I mean, think about it. How, how absurd is all of this? You're fighting with your general manager at practice, calling him a cracker. Oh, it's pe- that's you're why everybody's believing media. he did it on you're, purpose. You're emailing people at ESPN all, to air your dirty Emails. laundry to specifically get that to the media as fast as possible. That's the funniest is part. Fa- you, you are emails, going straight to yeah. – Yeah, emails. Going straight to the media. Took a get, sabotage your way off the team. No choice but to cut you. And then you just fall up, dude. I'll tell you what. The Raiders are looking hella good right now. Dude, Derek Carr is 16 for 17 in the first half right now. Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Like Lamar numbers. I don't That's what care. I'm, saying. Like, what anybody, he's, he's I'm so sick good. of. Derek Carr is another guy that I'm so sick of getting shit on by everybody when he is a good quarterback. Like, God, dang. But, but I don't what, know. The AB thing just kind of. Like, the Patriots smashed yesterday. They're going to add this dude on. It's going to be much like 2007. And so we'll see. I, like, And Josh Gordon looks so and good. That's right. where, and that's where that's where it's so did. fun yeah, to like, me. Like good Josh Gordon and great Antonio Brown. Right. It's not even good, good Josh Gordon. It's great Josh Gordon and good Julian Edelman. So what I'm so excited about this, and I mean, you guys know me, obviously. I'm a big Tom Brady guy, big Pats guy. Oh, man. Just like every other Metro f- Detroiter. Listen. It's all we have our hang- hats to hang on, man. What, you know what how many people I ha- You know how many people I see that are decked out in Patriots shit. That's the most pathetic shit I've ever oh. seen. That's so sad. So I have a Brady jersey. I only know but one I don't guy who's like an like actual super ever. fan that was here. Um, but you yeah, can't. The Vern guy that's a, that's on the Vlani show. He's like a diehard Patriot. Like, come on, man. You you cannot blame Michigan fans for being. One hundred percent. It's just Michigan fans. There's no state fans that are Patriot fans. Oh, I think there's plenty because I think oh, there's plenty. Big bet. I think there's big plenty bet. of spurned Lions Who's fans like rooting for Brian Hoyer. He's not on the team anymore. R.I.P. You guys really think there's no state fans that like the Patriots just because of Tom Brady? No, I think that it's a combination of if you're a Michigan State I, fan. I, I don't think it's no, well, which is no for real. Zero, think about think, but man, it's well, like it's so every like every Lions fan has an AFC team they root for. Every single one. I don't. I don't AFC? know a single. Yeah, I don't know. Well, because you, you're not. Yeah, gonna, you don't want to pick I, I an NFC team. Disagree. You guys haven't been in contention. I mean, so I like it's not players. Hard. I don't really. Everybody like... has a backup team. That's always the thing. All right, that's right? Fine. So everyone Everybody. has a backup team. It is natural yeah. for us with ties with whatever. A lot of Metro Detroiters root for Tom Brady. Whatever. But and this it's because team, most Metro Detroiters are Michigan fans. You brought up 2007. I thought it was yep. 2008, but I think you're right, actually, 2007 when they went I am aware I'm right. It's 2007. Yeah. It reminds me so much of that, outside of the fact right? that obviously Tom Brady's a little bit older. This team uh, is – so everyone was – and, and I, I got caught older. up too. I'm like, you know, the Pats, they're losing Gronk. They're going to – they're lo- different coordinators. They're going to go through some stuff. You might have a feeling out. Their receiving core is the best receiving core I've ever seen in the NFL. And it's I not just talent. It's how 19, much nineteen ninety eight com- Minnesota said. It's like how to say much they complement each other. So you have Flash Gordon, who I believe is a top ten wideout in the NFL. A lot of people okay, don't agree with far. that. I way legitimately think he's a top ten wideout, and I get if you don't, but you can't say he's not top twenty. But I think he's a top ten wideout in the NFL. If you're gonna expand every position to twenty. That's you not have hard. a B that's a top three wideout in the NFL. Arguably the best. Josh Gordon is six foot four. He is a blazer. He's a big bodied guy that goes up and gets yeah, it. He is. Hey, he's Antonio a blazer, Brown, all right. Antonio, yeah, he is. Antonio Brown is five foot ten. Also ridiculous down the field. 
insane separation, insane going over the middle of the field. On a insane in general. Whatever you want to do. Just absurd. Right. Yeah, it's insane in the membrane. Mm-hmm. You're two outside wideouts that are completely complementary receivers. And they're, oh, by the way, we're throwing Julian Edelman, one of the very best slot guys and one of the most intelligent players in the NFL. Who has a three like that ever? Now, t- I already just told you the rate the Vikings in '98 have a better I core. I don't think so, dude. They had Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Come on now, and that was that was not rookie Randy Moss either. That was like getting but to who the prime. Third? I mean, in fairness, talking about it, yeah, who, well, who well else? no, but I, like me. but also talking, <laughs> but so- talking about it now, because in fairness, outside of the moment, right. If we're talking 20 years from now and you talk about Josh Gordon, how many people are going to be like, oh, heck yeah. Like, I bet there's receivers that, or, well, or that guys that were that depends on how the next six years go. Josh you Gordon has what, a lot but of But you get my point. Years, Hold on. Time out. So you get my point, though. I do, like in, yes. Because, like, for example, I could talk to you about I how – I'll give you a perfect example of a player that in the moment was super good, but nobody would ever talk about it, and that was Mario Manningham when he was on the Giants. I thought you were going to say Gale Sayers again. <laughs> no, because Gale Sayers Gale is a Hall of Famer. No, but for real, if you didn't live in that time frame, nobody's going to know if you say, hey, the Giants had Mario Manningham. It, people will be like, who cares? But we know he was really good for them. Not Hall of Famer. Like the Patriots had Brandon Lloyd. Don't compare them. Flash but, Gordon's you get, natural but, you talent. Get, but you get what I I'm get, saying. I do 100% so. get what you're saying, ooh, but ooh, Josh ooh. Gordon's talent transcends. He really is an elite, elite person at that uh, position okay. if he's at full speed. I will tell the you that is, Mario Manningham ha- will have a better overall career by the time Josh Gordon is done. They will both, if we look at both. Josh Gordon's already had a better yeah, career. Josh Gordon is no, Mario a better career. But get regardless, we're getting, you're, you're, you're undercutting how too, good he too was off topic, for that Too off topic. I wanted to do that plug. <laughs> the one thing I want to give you about the Vikings duo yeah, is the you best can put receiver ever. Any third in that Mario Manningham's twenty eight hundred. You can put any third in that ever, and they will be one of the best trios in NFL history. That's how that's good. I, that's what that's I'm how saying. Good Chris Carter and Randy Moss were. What I am saying is. Antonio Brown is so good and Flash Gordon is so good. The fact that Edelman is there and Edelman is not anybody, Edelman is a truly elite slot receiver, I, that puts them over the top for me. I'm going to make this extremely of simple. Course. The only way the Pats do not win the Super Bowl this year is if the offensive line cannot hold up. And everyone gets caught up in the skill positions. But the Pats do have a severe, oh, severe, no, crippling potential issue, and that's the offensive line. I don't know if it's going to matter oh, because God. if any team can scheme everyone, around it, everyone skip ahead fifteen minutes. It's Paul it's talking them. about offensive line. It, this is simple. They didn't have that good of an offensive line. Then what they had got hurt. They have a crippling Riveting. deficiency at offensive line, and that is great as Tom Brady is, as great as the Pats are at scheming. If they're going to have an Achilles heel, that's it. And you look back to the 2007 season, and you look at what the Giants did to them, to their offensive line, and you can see a scenario. That was an all-time pass rush, though, from that New York team. You don't need an all-time pass rush to do that to the Pats this year. That's what I'm getting at. In fairness, fairness, you you said the exact same thing in the Super Bowl last year, and I was correct in what occurred. The Pats scored like two points last year. 
That no, but your contention was that Aaron Donald was going to literally break Tom Brady in half, and I was like, no, they'll scheme around it, and it's the same thing this year. They're just too good. They're going to be able to scheme around it. So I would concerned. accept your argument the if the Pats the didn't Bowl score the like two points. Like, yeah, I, but it, they scored thirty-three in this, or was it thirty or thirty-three in this game? What are you talking about? Like in this, I don't know, game. but it was about it was about thirty less than the Ravens scored. <laughs> oh my God. But a team that didn't score that many points or even as many points as the Patriots Lions, was the Lions. And they gave up just as many points as they scored to result in a tie. Okay. Which makes all of our season predictions from, what, two weeks ago? Absolutely void because nobody has to Except that's not how season predictions whatever, work, whatever which I was won. very specific about. Well, you said, what, 9-7 and seven or 10-6? and six? No, I said 8-8 eight, eight or 9-7. Nine, 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 well, they're not going 8-7-1. Or they are. So, again, it's shit that matters going forward. What are we taking out of this game that matters going forward? In Ooh, I got it. I got one. I got one. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. Pick me. What is it, Dylan? Your coaching staff are fucking stupid because you threw the game. So. Shocking. Yeah. That Lions was maybe the, the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. If Matthew Stafford literally murdered Daryl Bevel, I wouldn't be surprised. Stuff he literally that, said, trust me. And he didn't do it. Going forward. So sad. The Lions have the same two main problems they've had on offense for, oh, I don't know, my entire life. They do not have an offensive line. Into compound issues, they do not have an offensive coordinator. He legit called timeout I when was... the call was perfect. It was perfect. And he was like, nah, sorry. I'm, I'm just going to stop this. I'm sure you guys. Well, he didn't think they were going to well get off time, which is crazy because you want to run. And also trust your quarterback that scared. he knows what's going on, and that on. he would call the timeout if they weren't going to get it right. off. Like Why he's done a thousand tr- times. Why would you not trust? I was him extremely there? clear, and you guys know I was beside myself when we made this hire for offensive coordinator. I didn't like it, and I get it now. <laughs> as bad as the timeout was, which is an all-time only Lions move. Everyone laughs at the Lions, and Lions fans always say, we invent new ways to lose, right? And people that don't watch the Lions every week of every season don't really understand. They just kind of laugh, and they're like, yeah, you suck. No, you don't understand. They literally invent ways to lose that you haven't seen before. You name a team that is called a timeout negating them winning the game, that they literally just won the game, but somehow, as the play was being run, they got a timeout off and canceled it, like Twitter. Well, coaches have iced their own, or they're kind of the other way around, right? They ice the kicker, and he misses the first one, and then he makes the second one. <laughs> but they that's not that's them making the play. Okay, this is just... But regardless, so that's really bad, The worst really part bad, is, right? is, that, is that Patricia also let Bevel do it. Well, so, okay, so now this oh. is the argument that I will not allow. Oh, and man. this is what is really upsetting to me. So, Matt Patricia is a defensive guy. His job is to run the team and run the defense. It could have fooled me in that fourth quarter. All right. No. Man, you're just going to upset me all kinds of stuff because you're, you're hey, so you threw, wrong. Hey, you threw shade, you threw so shade for my team. So wrong. Fuck you. But you're wrong about your shade. There's so many places to throw shade and you're throwing in the wrong places. I'm just doing it to get rile you up and it's working. So if anything, it's right. Says the guy who didn't want to talk on this a long time is going to make me talk on it a long time. Yeah. 
The defense. We're here. We're got here. Gassed. We're here. Nothing you could do about it. the defense at the end of that game couldn't stop the high school team. Why did they get gassed? That Arizona Heat. The fans keep talking the same, about the dumbass. The, the biggest takeaway from this game and why Lions fans need <laughs> so to be stupid. terrified moving forward with this offensive coordinator is because this offensive coordinator did what I've seen this team and many others do so many times. Except the Lions, for whatever reason, it's Caldwell syndrome. Do it a million plays earlier than they should which is never, they got a lead, the second half started, and they decided, we're good. We're just going to milk this and get an early flight home. The most jaw-dropping stat I saw from Sunday, and you probably could have guessed it, didn't really take Nostradamus to figure out. After the Lions got up 24-6, to Matthew Stafford attempted three passes before the Arizona tied the game up. Arizona had three scoring drives and we had three pass attempts. That's how you're trying to put away a game. And because of that, because because our offensive coordinator said, hey, you know, you know all this stuff that we did all game that was working really well. We were driving up and down the field and scoring points. We're going to stop doing that. Because of that, the defense didn't leave the field. After we got up 24 to 6. They were just there the whole time. And Snacks, by the end of the third quarter, was gassed. By the end of the fourth quarter, our guys weren't breathing. And they legitimately could not have stopped anybody at that point. I don't care who your defensive coach is. I don't care what your talent on your roster is. They were dead. They didn't have the stamina to go on. Because the offense literally killed their ability to defend the ball. And the game was over at that point. And we were actually lucky to tie the game. And that doesn't even... Add to the fact that you're a brilliant offensive coordinator. You had a chance to win the game in overtime. You march down the field on the arm of your quarterback. And as soon as you get close to the goal line, you have an incomplete pass. And then you run the ball straight up the gut on second down. Someone please fucking explain this to me before I kill somebody. I want to know what that play was after that after that timeout that he called. Because the other play to convert it was just fucking stupid. And, and you waste timeouts like, again. Still, How many timeouts did we like... waste? That you like didn't, didn't have when the you ball needed off. them. It didn't really seem like in time. Like, they were still rushing to get it. And then, like, Stafford just chucked it down. And nobody was there because he's getting pressured. Like, that was, was a, a horrible design play. In that, those Stafford are the things. Stafford was immediately pressured and he's like, Chuck. Listen, you talk about shit that matters He looked like forward. the Army quarterback. Just running backwards and. The defense giving up that lead, that doesn't matter going forward. That happened because of the offense. The defense is fine. They're not going to be a bad defense. They're not going to give up 18 points in the fourth quarter every week. I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried is that we still don't have an offensive coordinator. What I'm worried is that Taylor Decker has regressed every single year and legitimately should almost be cut at this point. But who are you going to put at left tackle to get Stafford killed? What I'm worried is that Stafford played a really, really great game. And yes, he had a bad pass at the end after he got smashed into pretty much the sack ended the game. And I'm sure everyone was mentally checked out at that point. And yeah, he tried to give it to the Cardinals. Who cares at that point? (laughs) Who cares? The best is the people that come out and criticize Stafford today. Think about what that's saying. So the only people critiquing Stafford after that game are Stafford haters. Would you agree with that? Okay. Yeah. So think about this. You're a Stafford hater, so you're critiquing him on yesterday's game. Would you guys not say that yesterday Stafford played a really good game? But before... before, <laughs> when we were up twenty six to or twenty four to six, Stafford was like twenty of twenty nine, over ten yards in attempt, three hundred yards, three touchdowns, no picks, balling out. 
Yeah, he played great before they stopped Played real good the before they stopped throwing the ball. The only way Stafford could have really been better is to pretty much have legitimately been perfect, to have been the best quarterback in the NFL. Would you agree with that? It's to be black and play you, for the Raiders. But you would agree yep. with that, right? So think about yeah. what that means. The Stafford haters, their expectation is for Stafford to basically be the best quarterback in the NFL. How the fuck does that make sense? If this man's not the best quarterback in the NFL, you're critiquing him. But you hate the man because you think he sucks. How the fuck does that make sense? I'm so over all this bullshit. Fuck Lions fans. Fuck the team. Fuck the staff. Fuck everybody. The main thing that you know you take away and what's important going forward is, well, it's guys, two things. T.J. Hawkinson looks like the real deal. Oh, man, who said Which, that? I mean, kind of everybody. Literally everybody. But most people I didn't expect him to have take. such a good rookie season because traditionally tight ends don't ever. Never. And, you know, he he's not going to go for that every game. But if he can break, you know, 1,000 yards his rookie year, that would probably be one, one of the only tight ends. I don't ends think any history. tight end has. Two I'd be is surprised. the offensive line is still, it's still just so terrible. And that's really going to be how – how much this team comes along. I'm not so worried about the defensive line, even though they weren't as dominant as you hope they might have be, been, especially you know at the end of the game. Um, not even just in at the end of the fourth quarter, but on the Cardinals' second possession in overtime, they gave up a third and five and a third and eight, and of course not just the defensive line, but the defense in general. And that's something that could have had the Lions win the game as well. And then our special teams is still really good, except for Agnew. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is the biggest takeaway. This offensive line is obviously an issue, like everyone said. Quick and quick touch on Hawkinson the looks, defensive line. Looks like the man. So, quick recap of last week. It was not the greatest week by any means because everyone kind of sucked it up. Uh, did you get Don's <laughs> We did get Don's picks. Yes, we did. Don went four and six along with me, along with along Ryan. With I, no, Matt. I'm sorry. Me, Matt my, also. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Myself, Matt, and Don all went four and six. Ryan did go three and seven. Dylan bringing up the lead at six and four, which just means he ties myself and Don for last on the season at eight and twelve. None of us. It's rocky start to the season. I'm betting four. We're all betting four hundred. Ryan's a touch better. Nine eleven. Never forget. That's right. And. uh Matt's, Matt's dead even, 10 and 10 through the season so far. Uh, college NFL splits, the only record that... So don't listen to this segment. <laughs> is the moral of the story. But it's fun. You're going against everything well, we say. Matt's done solid in college. He's 9 and 6. That's not too bad. Uh, that's the one positive record that really stands out. The one negative record that stands out is... Uh, oof. Eh, none of them were too bad. 1 and 4 in the NFL for Matt and Ryan. Last week, that was. It's just it's five games, one week. We're gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay this year. Right, we're starting it off on a positive, all right. And we're gonna start back in college because even when we get the games wrong, it's still a lot funner than the NFL game for the most part. A lot less frustrating, kind of. Uh, Pittsburgh's traveling to Penn State, seventeen-point dog on the road. Rivalry game. They say anything can happen. Do you guys really think anything can happen? Uh, no. <laughs> Right. No, Penn State should should blow them off the field. Yeah, I, they won twenty I to ten against Ohio last week. Home, it's not. Yeah, I'll be I'll be honest. Not this, good is, for this is definitely one sided rivalry. Penn State loves to disrespect Pittsburgh, so I'll take Penn State. 
Yeah, I don't know how you pick against Penn State in this game. They've actually looked really good. Pittsburgh hasn't, not in the past couple of years, not this year. Rivalry, whatever you want. Penn State's at home. They're going to be hyped for it. They should roll legitimately by third. Actually, this game should look exactly like Ohio State-Cincinnati looked last week without the seizure. Like, hopefully hopefully, hey. no one dies on the field. That's uh, not rest how in peace. seizures work. Uh, his football career might be over. Um, you literally are just eulogizing this dude. He didn't die on the field. Out of respect. Okay. You said rip. He killed his team's chances. Regardless, Penn State should do to Pittsburgh what Ohio State did to Cincinnati last week. Matt agrees he also has Penn State in a landslide. And with that, we're all on the same page. I don't have Don's picks. We'll get to him next week. Enos Cantor briefly captures the WWE title. <laughs> what? It's the ESPN. What? All right. All righty. All right, back to the picks. Uh, we're going coast to coast on this one. We have Stanford traveling Space all coast. the way coast to, coast. to Central Florida. Which, a few years ago, would have been like, wow, what a cupcake. But Central Florida's favored by a touchdown in this because apparently they're the power of the non-power five. And Stanford's quarterback's also dead. Kind of like the guy from Cincinnati last week. As much as I don't want to pick Central Florida, I feel like I kind of have to, at least in this instance, give me, what are they, the Golden Knights? There we go. Give me the Golden Knights. Hopefully they can help me strike some gold and let me go 10-0 picks this week. Um, uh, Stan- Stanford got legitimately destroyed by USC, and not only was it that it was a backup for USC, a freshman for USC, uh, they're going all the way across. Bri- uh, Brandon Wimbush, was it, is it Brandon? I think so. Whichever B last name or first name he has, Wimbush is going to destroy him. UCF by double digits handily. Is that Wimbush formerly of Notre Dame? Correct. Yes. Just double check. Make sure I'm not losing my mind. This game is about as tough as it can get for Stanford. You lost your quarterback. You're going to the opposite coast on the road against a team that's actually good after you just blew a really bad game to your biggest rival and your dogs by a touchdown. Nothing about this game says you should pick Stanford, and that is why I'm picking Stanford. Keeping it in the Pac-12, I mentioned Stanford's rival. We got USC traveling to BYU in what should actually be an interesting game. Oddsmakers have USC only a a 4.5 point favorite on the road. Uh, BYU had a lot better week last last week than they did to open the season against Utah. At home, short dogs, who do you guys got? Man, I, I'm worried about keep keeping on picking the favorites. But USC did look good last week, again, against a bad Stanford team. And BYU beat Grandos on the road, but still a bad Tennessee team in overtime. And they looked like absolute dog you-know-what the, the week before against BYU. So I'm going to take USC in the, uh, in the run-on of three-letter teams. BYU shouldn't have should be 0-2 right now. They shouldn't have won that game against a trash-ass Tennessee program. USC and Clay Helton are trying to make things hard. Maybe that's why Lynn Swan left, because Clay Helton may actually pull this off again. I'll take USC. Absolutely, USC, who looks like they might actually be hitting some sort of stride. BYU, not so much. 
And Matt, of course, being the shill that he is from the West Coast, is going to pick USC. And I don't think I mentioned Matt also had UCF for the last game. Mm. Now we have a sort of revenge tour, if you will. Arizona State coming to Michigan State. This time they got to play in the not 100-degree weather. This time they got to play against maybe a real offense. And I don't think they're going to hold Michigan State to 13 points this time. But I also think 13 points might be enough for Michigan State to win this game. What do you guys think? They're, ironically, 13-point favorites. And this game opened at 10.5. It has moved quickly. Yeah, everybody believes in Michigan State. So do I. One thing that I think is going to be big is kind of that revenge factor that you talked about because the players, of course, will never admit it. But you have to think in their head. They're thinking, okay, well, we got you in our home now, and we don't have to play on the sun. We are going to bury you guys like they probably assumed they should have won the game last year. I expect them to just absolutely body baggers on the state. A little bit of Western Michigan style. Maybe they don't get the 51, but if they win the game 40-10, to 10, that's certainly something that I can see. Oh, absolutely not. I don't disrespect uh, Herm Edwards and his program nearly that much. He's a good coach. He's a good dude. And I just can't see them giving such a poor effort. The defense is good enough that I think they'll Michigan State will probably win by about 10 points. 24 to 10, or sorry, 24 to 14 is right around what I'm looking at for that. So I will take Arizona State. Is that defensive line good enough family. though? Because that's what they're going to have to do to MSU. I just don't. I just don't think this is going to. This is probably going to be a game where both teams just have a grinded out game. May, maybe six, seven possessions. Something like that. Like it, it, there's good, possessions will come at a premium. I'm gonna be honest. I haven't picked against Michigan State yet, and I see no compelling reason to start now. I, I think Arizona State is not necessarily gonna catch MSU the way they did last year. I think Michigan State's a lot better than they were last year. I think this line has moved a ton for a reason already. I think it's gonna keep moving. I wouldn't be surprised if this is 15 and a half by kickoff. I think it's gonna be Michigan State all day in a lane. Onto the good one. Onto the good one. To the game of the week. The one that actually wait, Matt's pick. Oh, well Matt obviously picked Michigan State. He's up slappy. We don't have to discuss Sorry. that. Right. Uh anyway, and he went to Arizona. That's actually also true. Almost more than picking Michigan State, Matt would absolutely never pick Arizona State in anything. Actually I'm really sad that we don't have Matt here to talk about this game because Matt would be just all kinds of lit right now. I mean what I mean mean, what's he gonna talk about? How they run like a four four with a with a cover two? Like what what Alright, that's just rude. Matt, you can edit that out if you want. That was uncalled for bordering unprofessional. Just like not, they're just devils. like they're not even just, just like they're not knowing a four three and a three four. Uh, just saying. To the right. game of the week, the one that Dylan Absolutely. has been talking about as almost the game so of the year since preseason. So Iowa hype. is traveling to Iowa State, the closest thing that we have to a top twenty five, but not quite top twenty five matchup this week. Iowa is the road favorite, one and a half points, but. I do want you guys to know that this game opened with Iowa State favored by a point, and that line has shifted quickly because of Dylan, and he won't shut up about how good (laughs) Iowa is. He moved that line by himself. That's right. That's right. They heard him on the podcast. They were like, God dang. call it influencer. Iowa's really good, guys. I picked four favorites in a row, so go ahead. Give me the home dog. Give me Iowa State in what is essentially a pick unless you're going to pick Iowa to only win by a point. Give me the Cyclones. 
an Iowa team looking to contend in the Big Ten West and possibly even more. We have an Iowa State team led by Matt Campbell that had an early scare against in-state, very good FCS team, Northern Iowa, and they are going to give Iowa as much as they can, but the Iowa Hawkeyes will win by a field goal. Give me Iowa Hawkeyes and Kirk Ferentz. Matt absolutely agrees with Dylan, and I do too. Iowa, I thought, was better than Iowa State, and they've looked better than Iowa State. Uh, cliche caveats aside that this is a rivalry game, and it's on the road, and Ames is going to be lit for game day, but so I, excited. I think it's going to be really fun. I don't think it's going to matter. Uh, Iowa's flat out the better team. And with that, we close our somewhat lackluster college schedule this week. Which oh, disagree. Best game of all time. That one game does not make a college schedule, but okay. <laughs> it's definitely the least exciting week of the entire season. Can we agree oh, on that? No. Disagree. Oh, Jesus. Disagree. Again. All right. We're going to the NFL anyways. doesn't matter Probably. how much you disagree. We're still going to the NFL. And we are starting close Side to home. I will say that is the best trophy name in sports. It's so badass. <laughs> it's so good. The Cyclones, the Hawks, Cyhawks, like it's so cool. Like I love it. Mm-hmm. Detroit, all the disappointment this week, and now they have to welcome what hopes to be a contending team, Phillip Rivers and the Chargers. Sands, all world safety. Sands, all world running back. Can Detroit pull the upset or at least cover the two and a half points? No. As much as I want them to, what I saw last week did not give me any cause for confidence in this team. And it's a team that I picked to win the division, and I am very, very much so regretting that pick now. I expect the Chargers to come in to Ford Field and run all over Detroit. Austin Eckler puts up another three touchdowns, and Detroit goes walks away 0-1-1 and just in a bunch load of confusion well number one the la chargers are just to have a really good running running court that's going to be a real issue but far more importantly the la chargers also house one of my favorite college players of all time iowa graduate desmond king at cornerback so give me the cyclones of the san diego bay the West Coast homer that he is, Matt, of course, picked the Chargers. He is both self-loathing loathing, and all about that West Coast, and that's fine. And we are going to struggle. They have a good secondary. We don't have a good offensive line. Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, I don't even know which one plays for the Chargers anymore. So upset. They're going to eat us alive a little bit, but at the end of the day, Detroit is going to hang in this game. And they're going to win this game because they have to win this game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sticking in division because we've had such great divisional action this year, right, guys? Right, Ryan? Right, Dylan? Right. Right. Yes, we have one-score games all around. Minnesota. At all. (laughs) No, I'm talking about the divisional games. Oh, there was one of them. Yes, the one divisional divisional game. Listen, it was my favorite game from last week, so. I'm going to be real. Awful. That it was awful. It was wonderful. That's because you didn't watch the <laughs> Hey, my boy RG3 was good. I like that game too. 
All right, move on. Minnesota looked like world beaters week one against what was a very disappointing Falcons team. Green Mm -hmm. Bay looked good on one side of the ball, but we could probably attribute that to things that weren't really about Green Bay. Yeah, Green Bay's favored by three at home. It feels like a game where I just can't pick Green Bay, given how Minnesota looked in their game against the Falcons, who I still expect to be pretty good. I don't think Green Bay's going defense is going to play like they did last week. And if I'm getting the Vikings, who I kind of think sneakily might be the better team, and you're giving me three points with that, I'm going to take the Vikings all day. Not only did the Vikings look amazing in week one, but they are also rostering Jaleel Johnson and Riley Reef, both graduates of the University of Iowa. So I will take the Hawkeyes of the Midwest. I will take the Minnesota Vikings. This is getting out of control. By the way, Riley Reef, former left tackle for the Detroit Lions, that looked about as good as Taylor Decker. But I would take him at this point, for sure. No, I'm sorry. Right tackle for the Detroit Lions. He's a left tackle now because Minnesota's offensive line is a little sketch. Uh, but that being said, I picked Minnesota to win the North for a reason. And this is a game that they don't have to have to win the North. This is a game that they don't have to have to win 10-11 games. But Green Bay looked a little rough, and I don't think that offense is going to be quite clicking against a defense like Minnesota's. And it's going to take an outstanding output from Green Bay's defensive line to win this game. And the three points scares me. And this should be a real close game. And Green Bay might win by a field goal, but... I'm going to take Minnesota in this one, too. we got a clean sweep across the board because Matt, his pick is in. He says, go Vikes. One of the more, what I thought was going to be a really good game on the schedule, and I still think it might be, but is looking really, I don't know, this is fascinating to me. Pittsburgh is favored by 3.5 over Seattle at home. Pittsburgh is favored by 3.5. They've scored three points in an entire football game this past week. This is a game it feels like Pittsburgh should come back and have a big bounce back win. But I do like Seattle this year. I know you said you didn't like the Judavian Clowney trade from the Texans perspective um, a few segments ago. I love Judavian Clowney as a player, and I'm super excited Seattle got him. I'm going to go ahead and ride that Seahawk train, and Pittsburgh will go 0-2 as Seattle will not only cover, they will win outright. Seattle gave up the most passing yards in week one to Andy Dalton. On top of that, Pittsburgh, whether they have Juju in there on the team for this game or not, uh, Pittsburgh has colors that are identical to the Iowa Hawkeyes, even though there are no players on their roster. So I will take the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh needs this game so bad. Like, they have to bounce back. And I, I can pretty much promise you they're going to score more than three points this week. But three and a half is a really sticky number. And I'm a big believer in Seattle. And you can say what they want. Yeah, they had a rough goal of it last week. Andy Dalton. But they looked a lot better than the Steelers did. Like a lot better. And they won their game. And you can argue they should have lost it. But they certainly didn't look as bad as Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh looks like a team that is going to take a minute to find their identity. They haven't found it post-Bell and A.B. yet. It's going to take them a minute. To be favored by over a field goal, three and a half being a very key number, I think is way too much. Seattle absolutely could win this game, and I Pittsburgh to trust them to win more than that, I, I think that's a bit absurd. Matt agrees, says Russ Buss, best quarterback in the NFL. He didn't actually say that. I said that, but that's all right. <laughs> you guys know how I feel about Russ Buss, baby. 
<laughs> Stole that from me. Hunter New Orleans, who just Monday night had what a roller coaster of a game. What a way to get confidence back I, for the team. You're you're down kind of in a good hole early. You come back, you take the lead, only to give it up with what thirty six seconds left. Something stupid. Yep. And they still win the game. You still get down for a fifty eight yard walk off well, field let's... goal. It doesn't get better than that. They're feeling really really good, but they're going to L.A. To a half-empty stadium, is three-point dogs to the Rams. Both teams coming off close games in Week One, as the Rams beat the uh, the Panthers only by a field goal, but they did that on the road. So this is the Rams' home opener. While the stadium may be half-empty, the Rams have unfinished business from losing the Super Bowl last season. I expect them to pick up where they left off in the NFC Championship game and beating the Saints again on a controversial pass interference call. But this time it will be challenged and still not overturned because it didn't actually happen. Go Rams. What? Well, fun fact for you is that <laughs> Iowa State College Football Hall of Famer Troy Davis was drafted by the New Orleans Saints in the third round and played there from 1997 to 1999. On top of that, Will Lutz kicked the spirit of the Saints back into the city. I will take New Orleans. Matt will also take New Orleans, but Dylan went a long roundabout way to admitting that he's just a New Orleans fan. I mean, I am, so. <laughs> the Rams didn't look good last week, and I don't care that it was on the road. Jared Goff looked as average at best as ever. Todd Gurley still doesn't have knees that you can trust to have 20 touches a game. I do he like. Had nine. I do like. Hmm? No, he had. 14 carries. He had 14, he had 14 for 97 yards. He averaged but he only got 14 carries. Why did I Why did I get nine? It doesn't matter. The that, point oh, is, I was watching Red Zone, and that was what they said. Regardless like, of the lip service, they don't trust Todd Gurley to hold up and pound the rock. Now, I am a big fan of Malcolm Brown, and I think he's an extremely good complimentary back. But the Saints don't have to worry about a guy like Todd Gurley taking over the game because the Rams aren't going to let him take over the game. And he's no Carlos Hyde. Their quarterback might be better than Mitchell Trubisky, but he's no Drew Brees either. I just I didn't like the way they played the game against Carolina Panthers. I almost think they should have lost the game. I have to absolutely take New Orleans in this game. Liddy. And that makes and on to the last. Legitimately, every single pick we've had this week, at least three of the four of us have agreed on. And we'll see if that continues yeah. on the last one because... This should be the most decisive game on the board. We have Philadelphia traveling to Atlanta. Two teams that really want to get back into Super Bowl contention that think they should be there. And Vegas thinks it's a split. This game is a pick em, boys. Give me your winner outright. So the Eagles started off slow last week, but then they got back into it, coming down 17-0 to win 32-27. to so quick math, they outscored them 32-10 to 10 the rest of the game. The Falcons had no such luck as they were only able to muster 12 points against a better Vikings defense than what they're going to face today. But even at home for the Falcons, this is a game I expect the Eagles to win because I do think the Eagles are the better team. And it's going to pain me for the Falcons to go 0-2 because I did expect big things from them this year. 
But the Eagles go 2-0, and and they uh, they continue their Super Bowl hopes and aspirations into a next Sunday showdown with the Lions. While Atlanta does house one of the more famous 21st century Iowa Hawkeyes and Adrian Claiborne, the dude with the dreads on the end, uh, Philadelphia looked so much better after that first half. They Carson Wentz looked phenomenal, and if Kirk Cousins was able to tear apart this Atlanta Falcons defense, Carson Wentz is going to maybe make them quit football. Atlanta has not been the same football team since losing that Super Bowl, and they're going to be 0-2. Philadelphia, fly, Eagles, fly. Give me some green, man. And uh, Philadelphia Eagles all the way to the Super Bowl. I'm going to pick Atlanta in this game. And this is a little bit of, you guys are right, the Eagles looked better last week. And the Eagles overall might even be the better team. And Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Jackson looked, looked awesome. <laughs> I just don't expect the Eagles to be as good as they were last week. And I expect Atlanta to be better. They weren't good last I week. I expect Atlanta to contend in the South. I expect them to contend for a uh, playoff spot. No. That has to be a 10-win football team. And you are no. at home coming back off a really, really rough game in the comfort of your beautiful new stadium with your Chick-fil-A that you can't get because it's a Sunday. But that's okay, because what they're going to get is a W. Eat one. And I would be remiss to not mention, we talked a lot about AB tonight. The best part of all this is Raiders fans literally chanting F-A-B after every relevant play. Speaking of speaking of relevant, what was Matt's pick for that last game? Oh, Matt, who didn't care to join us on the cast, I guess he still gets picks. Fine, Diane, the Matt had the Saints too. Oh no, I said that. I for sure said that. You did. Well, Matt has the Eagles in this one as well. Hey, and with that, it's time to say goodbye, everybody. Have a great weekend. Watch the Cyhawk battle on FS1 at four o'clock kick. Spartan fans, you're going to be Jason Whitlock in the sport. You're going to be very conflicted, Spartan fans, because (laughs) it's also when state kicks. But if Michigan State does what Ryan thinks they will, Iowa Iowa stays the game to watch. Follow us on Facebook at Sports Carnage Podcast and on Twitter at Sports Carnage, and then rate, subscribe, and review and like us on all of our podcast platforms, Podbean, and iTunes.